All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. So did somebody meet somebody that they didn't know? Yeah. I love that. That's good. That's good. Um, well, real quick introduction. Uh, my name is Eric Gentry. Uh, my wife Stephanie and I have been married almost 23 years this, this August. We, uh, we have... We actually met at Sky Ranch. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with Sky Ranch. It's a little kids' youth camp out in Van, Texas. Uh, she was the camp nurse, and I was the uh, one of the counselors. And you know, Mr. Crazy. And uh, my wife uh, was a speech pathology major, and got her master's in speech therapy, and uh, graduated cum laude. You know, and I was the proverbial olaud, and uh, you know, marketing management. And so we were a unique combination, and. Uh, the sad thing is, uh, she started throwing up yesterday, having cramping. She had had a partial hysterectomy three months ago, and then they weren't sure what it was, and so then they thought she had appendicitis and thought maybe the appendix was going to rupture. So we were there until about 11 o'clock last night and processing all that. And so she's in bed right now, so she might come later, but just for the Q and A, but probably not. And uh, the sad thing is. She's the really good one. <laughs> so you got me. And, uh, no, I, but, you know, I, I, but after 22 years, you know, I've got a lot of osmosis coming through. You know, and I'm going to channel some of what Stephanie would say. We don't say that word here, but, you know, I'm going to kind of, you know, talk through. So. You the marketing major? Exactly. It's all presentation. You know, it's, it's all this. Yeah. So if y'all all want to leave right now, I'll understand. I'll understand. Now, um. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's good, that's good. All right, well, well, hey, let's pray real fast and then we'll get going. Holy God, uh, none of this is a surprise to you. As much as I felt forsaken this morning, I knew that uh, you knew this was going to be what would happen. And uh, you you reign, your spirit is alive. And uh, God, right now, I just pray to you to enter into this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite your wisdom. We invite your counsel. We invite your peace. We invite your hope. We invite your uh, confidence that we can trust in a big God. We can rely in a God who knows every hair on our head, knows every little bubble in our children's stomachs whenever they're hurting. You know all the anger that's in our children when they're frustrated with us. God, you know all about that. And still, you trusted us to be parents. And you trusted us to love, shepherd, guide, and mold these beautiful children that you have given us. God, right now, I just pray that uh, you would bring the spirit of encouragement into this room. I pray that we would all know that uh, whatever past mistakes we've made, whatever frustrations we've had, those can all be washed away. And uh, God, we can... Flip the switch and allow your spirit to come in and do great, mighty things. We can change. We are new creations that can be regenerated every day. And each day is a new opportunity to better love and serve our kids. God, I just uh, invite you in to do your work. To be the miracle, just holy, powerful God that you are. Thank you for these friends that are here. I uh, thank you for the new friends that have been made. I pray that we would be able to lock arms and encourage each other and go into battle ready to uh, rescue our children from what Satan wants to do. We love you. We thank you and praise you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.
All right. Well, um, like I said, my name is Eric. My wife is Stephanie. Um, we have four kids, and uh, you know, Stephanie was the oldest in her family. I'm the middle child in my family. We both have three kids. I mean, both of us grew with you know, two siblings. Uh, praise the Lord, neither of our parents got divorced. Uh, but my parents, I never really saw them fight. My dad was a Ph.D. in English. A little bit, a lot of fun, really smart, but a little more low-key. Now that I look back, my mom kind of drove everything in the house. My dad was supported and did a great job. But, you know, you can just kind of see that my dad died four years ago, so you can kind of see how my mom's evolved through that. Where Stephanie's dad, she would, parents, she would hear them fight. You know, they were great, you know, great parents. But, you know, her dad's a little more explosive, which Stephanie's a little bit more like that. And I'm the middle child and I want peace, you know. So there's always, you know, just a lot of these things of understanding the dynamics of a home and the, the dynamics of how things go. And so, you know, through the years, just the amount of communication and she and I talking through things. And, you know, parenting has been a struggle for us. You know, we joke, we had one premarital class, and that was about 10 too few. And so we, we look back, and, and probably some of the same thing with, with raising kids. You know, just, you know, just understanding, you know, we both have different philosophies. I'm a little bit more of the risk taker, let's go have fun. You know, she's very, we're going to be safe, we're going to, you know, figure this out. And so she and I are always kind of, you know, going at it on different things. I'm there to stretch the kids, she's there to protect the kids, you know. And so sometimes we, we, you know, there's that going on. But now that I finally have embraced it probably the last five years. Now I love it. Now I'm like, you know, we're really locking arms with it. But for a few times, that was a lot of our battles. It's like, you don't trust me. It's like, well, you're doing this, you know, so we'd have fun. But, uh, you know, whenever I talk to you about why would you come today, you know, there's a few questions that came into my mind. You know, one, just to bring peace to the home, you know. The kids, you know, I can't control them, or you just, you know, the the colic, you know, the, you know, how do we handle feeding? How do we handle, you know, putting kids on a schedule? He doesn't want to. I'm trying to. The you work every, all those things happen. So I think peace is a big, big part of it. And you know, I think a lot of us, we want to know that we're called to be parents. You know, because I think sometimes we know God did, but in here we don't really believe that. And there's just that question, whenever we see some of our failures, whenever we, we stump our toe, we look at each other, and, and the spouse kind of goes, why would you do that? And it's like, I don't know, I'm doing the best I can. And, and so I think, I just want you to know, God has a calling on you to be your children's parents. And you're the one to carry that. So embrace that, know that God put that on your heart, and you can do it. You're very capable. Um, you know, there's guilt. You know, I think for Stephanie and I, a lot of why we try to improve parenting, especially back when, is I wanted to look good. <laughs> you know, my kids, the way my kids act is a representation of Stephanie and I. Uh, for four years, I was a children's creative director for two churches. And both of them were big mega churches over in Dallas and pretty visible. Everybody kind of saw you. you know, I was out front. People knew you know, who I was. Stephanie was a little bit more in the back. But everybody knew who I was, and there was a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, and the idea of my children embarrassing me affected my job, affected my reputation. It affected a lot of things. And so I, at times I would get consumed with that. And so, uh, you know, that's one of those things you got to kind of let go. <laughs> it's like grace... Let you know, take that out of my life, 
And, you know, the, you know let's remove that. And, uh, you know, whenever I spoke before, you know, a couple of Sundays ago about this, you know, we talked about, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children's of one youth. And so, yeah, I do want to challenge you that, you know, hopefully... I'm going to give you some ideas. We're going to talk about some principles. They're going to make you feel more like a warrior. They're going to you know, flex you up a little bit, build the arms up a little bit, plant the feet a little bit better, sharpen the eye as you, make, as you look at points and you think about what you're going to do. So, you know, you, you know, as you're thinking about this, just realize, you know, warriors train. It's a long process. That's the same with parents. Parents just slowly train. They slowly evolve. They slowly... Of become what God wants them to be. And uh, I've always thought that uh, parenting, I mean, husband and wife, the marriage relationship really is, you know, one reason uh, Jesus talks about marrying the church, the bride, coming for the bride, is, you know, that great picture. But the husband and wife is the same thing. I really feel like that's one of the best discipleship programs ever, is, is husband and wife, just because it's continually knocking off the rough edges. And parenting is the same way, if you embrace it that way. If you embrace it of, I'm going to love, I want to understand. If you're just authoritarian and you're just making rules, you're, you're really not going to grow. If all you're doing is just going, do this. You're wrong. I'm tired. You know, and you just, you, it, then you're not going to grow. But if you can stop and go, okay, I did that last night and that didn't work out too well. You know, he cried for another 30 minutes. That was stupid. Okay, what can I do differently? You know, and you just kind of go, okay, tonight... We're going, to, we're going to change gears, you know, and I'm going to treat this four-year-old a little differently, and all of a sudden you see the change. And so you were discipled, you learned, gained your patience, all that kind of stuff. And so, anyway, so we're going to talk about getting our warriors better prepared. And, um, you know, Deuteronomy 6, I had this verse up here, and, you know, I chose this verse kind of to be one of the main ones, just because this is the verse of just process, of Every day, you know, hear, Lord, O O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And I think we know that, but just being able to teach our kids with your heart, your soul, and your might, you know, the the, the passion to want to love, the passion to to think about it in your strength as you're walking, as you're talking, as you're act as you're active, but then you're in your in your mind as you're studying, as you're putting in God's Word. So that's just so classic. But then how do we do that? You know, these words, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk to them when you sit in the house, when you're having meals, whenever you're having game time, whenever you walk by the way. We don't do a lot of walking whenever you drive down the, the parkway. You know, so as you're going there, you know, how can you do that? And then when you get up, and then when you lie down and when you rise up, so uh, one of the things we'll talk about later is, you know, what are some practical ways we can do that? So I wanted to, we're just going to kind of hold on to that a little bit in that verse and think, how, how could we do that? Um, but anyway, so, you know, as we go through today, I talked to four of our grace leaders and, and I asked them four questions just to kind of get an idea of, you know, what they, how they saw of, I was going to tell you what those questions are just as we go, but, uh, you know, j- just so I could get loaded with some information, because I was hearing some of my other friends saying, hey, you know, here's what this speaker says, this is what these speakers said, but I asked uh, Chris, of uh, Caleb Beecham, of uh, Larry Gallus, uh, uh, 
Lauren Beeg, and then uh, Brad Marvin. And so I sent these four questions. So I'm going to be quoting them as we go. But they've been working with some of the students and just kind of in, especially the older ones and going into college and kind of what was going on. And one of the questions I asked them is, what makes a student want to listen to their parents? Then I said, what is the one thing most kids long for from their parents? Then I asked, what do you feel the majority of college students when they grow up fall away from the church? Very proven fact, it's well over 50%. And uh, as you talk to most parents of kids leaving the nest, what is the one thing they wish they would have done differently? And, uh, you know, it, 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 I was just going to you know, hit, hit with that one. of Larry, one of the things Larry said, he said, I think most parents wish they had just spent more time with their kids when they were younger. Busyness is one of Satan's greatest tools against the family. Busy with work, careers, hobbies, sports, TV shows, church activities can keep families from spending quality time together. Kindergarten to graduation happens way too fast. And Stephanie and I are experiencing that because we have a freshman in college and then we have a kindergartner. And so we really just see what that sprint has been and just kind of the just kind of that reality of, wow, it really does happen. So I'm going to be sprinkling in some of those uh, questions as we go. But um, the five things that we're going to kind of uh, focus on is, you know, you know, last time when Stephanie and I did this, we really talked a lot about discipline. Uh, we talked about obedience, discipline. And so we're changing the gears a little bit to where, you know, when Stephanie and I have been praying about this last couple of months, we really just taught, thought a lot about hearts. Kind of this, this bottom one, training our children to be passionate followers of Christ, truthful, righteous, and their heart devoted to Christ. So kids, that their hearts are zeroed in. They're not doing things because their parents said to. They're not doing things because their Sunday school teacher said to. They're not doing things because you know, they feel pressured. But they're doing it because they passionately want to know God. They trust God. They believe that God's going to be there for them. And, so, uh, so with, and, then, and then being intentional parents of... Uh, you know, I think I'm going to give you some ideas as we go. One of the sheets was like four pages. And if anybody's interested, I'm going to give you my email and you can ping me and I'll send it to you. But it has got a truckload of ideas. And I just think, especially dads, uh, we dads have got to be intentional about leading, guiding our kids, coming up with activities to saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. You'll leading out on family nights, all those kind of things, even doing it really bad for a while until you get better. But we're going to talk about that. Uh, and then of uh, loving unconditionally, establishing trust, and then communicating both ways. And so, uh, so we're going to kind of dive into all of these topics. And uh, so here we go. Once again, I wish my wife was here because she was so good at all this. But anyway, but y'all are blessed with me, right? So that's good. Um, you know, because one of the things that we talked about is, uh, you know, as we're going through this, is if all you do is teach a bunch of rules, uh, you're going to break. Uh, well, this is one of the quotes I got from the, uh, from the guys. They said, you can teach a bunch of rules by, do, by, uh, by telling them what to do. By, uh, so, so where does that lead us? Rule-breaking kids and following kids. 
And so if all you do is just say, you got to do this, you got to do this, then you're either going to get somebody that says, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, okay, yeah, t- tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. Then when they get to college, they're going to follow somebody else and hook their wagon to somebody else. Or they're just going to be going, okay, Dad, I know, i got to do this, i got to do this. And then they're just accepting the punishment. It's not in their heart. So, uh, so that's part of it. And to, you know, So with loving unconditionally, of one of the quotes said of, what do kids want from us? I believe kids long for love and acceptance from their parents. Love must be unconditional. Our love can't be tied to their success or to them obeying us. You know, and, and I think a lot of us know that. I want to go walk and get a water while I'm talking. Uh, I think a lot of us know that we're supposed to do unconditional love because we crave that from God. You know, and, and, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the gospel is that of. Uh, you know, it, it's the the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't tied to anything. Yeah, if anybody wants a water, feel free to go grab one. There's a few more. That's one of the great things about the gospel is the gospel really isn't based on anything we did. I I hear it, uh, Matt Chandler. I listen to him a lot at the village, and I, he's one of the guys I love to podcast. And one of the things he's talking about is he said, you know what, a lot of us think, no, I, I chose to accept Christ. I, you know, I, I did it. I stood up at the aisle, you know, at church. I walked the aisle. You guys, no, God called you out. He called your heart. He said, I love you. I want you. And you responded to him. And so, and so that unconditional love is, you know, Christ came to you. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He accepts who you are. He accepts all of our warts, all the all the the smelliness of who we are. And that's what we've got to do with our kids. You know, we're not just wanting to love clean kids, perfect kids, all that kind of stuff. You know, like one of the the you know the best of you know, examples of that is, you know, just a kid. You know, mealtime is a great opportunity for patience. I mean, wouldn't we all agree that, uh, you know, whether it be you're trying to get them to take it off the spoon, you know, you're playing with all the games, or, you know, or, or, or trying to get them to try a new vegetable, or, uh, or, or your, your older kids wanting to pick up the phone whenever they're, you know, you know, the, you know the, the, they don't want to engage in conversation. And um, so, you know, whenever the spaghetti hits the floor, you know, how are you going to react is it going to be, uh, you know, you did it again, especially when it's the third night in a row that the spaghetti hit the floor. And, uh, and so we definitely don't accept defiant behavior. You know, defiant behavior is not to be accepted. And there's no doubt about that. But I still love you no matter what your behavior was. And, and, and that has got to be one of those where I think husband and wife, I think that, that's a great opportunity for us to kind of watch each other and just say, you know what? I, I see you only loving them because of this, or you're really, the, what you said, the way you said that was really harsh, you're going to put a wedge in between you know, th- that relationship. Because of my oldest son was very competitive with his tennis. And so uh, two to three, you know, two weekends a month for much of my life, uh, he and I went on tennis tournaments. Some of them would be local since we live in DFW. That makes it a little easier. But we'd go on trips. And whenever he would lose one of the matches before he, he was trying to champ up, and for six months he was one point away from champing up. And so just that pressure and that stress of him keep losing one match that he needed to go over the edge. And, and I continually would have to go, I'm going to love you the same tomorrow when you champ up as I do today when you didn't champ up. 
And so, and so a lot of our kids, you know, when they're, you know, you, know, you, you, you go to a kid's soccer game or baseball game right now, and you just kind of just take a survey of the parents, <laughs> and you just look at, you know, what is the motivation? What are they, what are parents looking for from their kids? You know, you know, run, can't you, come on, you know, you just hear them yelling and straining at, you know, come on, you're going the wrong way, you know, kick this, kick this. It, it, it just, the whole passion and the whole drive to see this kid do what they need to do. And sometimes you're like going, you know what, all your kid really values is, are you going to be aggressive and run the right way? You know, that's probably the most attention you have showed to them all week was running the right way with the soccer ball. And, uh, and so, you know, it, you, you got to figure out how to balance that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, and I would say when we fail to communicate intentionally, uh, you know, that's whenever, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, whenever we're trying to, uh, I'm sorry, I was reading that note. That's not what I want to say. Uh, one of the one of the fun examples that I've heard on this is a a, son, a father who adopted a son, and the son struggled, was a little wayward, and the uh, daughter was a perfect girl and didn't have any problems. And the wayward son came up to the dad one day, and he was very frustrated. And he said, Dad, you know, of, you, know you obviously love her more than you do me because you allow her to do this, you do, you do this. And he was just very frustrated. And the father had to really come to grips, and he said, No, I love you the same. You're confusing what love is and what trust is. He said, I love you the same. Let me tell you how, why I love you, because of this, because of this. And he went through that, and he talked about all the things he loved about him. He says, but my daughter, I love her the same, but the reason she does that is because I trust her. She has earned this trust. And so the older our kids get, I think unconditional love gets confused with, with, with full trust. So if you love me unconditionally, you're going to allow me to do anything I want. But does God, let, God, does God do that for us? No. I mean, you know, thank the Lord he doesn't do that. You know, there's a lot of things I would have loved for God to give me the chance to do, and uh, I would have gone down in flames or, you know, who knows what would have happened. And so, uh, so you know, so as you're giving unconditional love to your kids, that doesn't mean that you open up the pocketbook, that every time they want something you pay for it. But what it does mean is, is that you are communicating with them, you're listening, and then you're, you're, you're responding to that request. And we'll get into communication a little bit more, but uh, you know, definitely a big part. And so we started kind of going into trust there, but uh, this is another quote from one of the uh, staff. Trust, children need to know their parents love them and they have their best in mind. So even when certain decisions are difficult or uncomfortable, <coughs> children will, stay cl- will, will still clearly know and remember that you love them and want the best for them. However, this trust needs to be built on demonstrated throughout a student's life. I see many times how easily it is for a student to lose that trust in their parents. And so, uh, you know, it was interesting whenever I asked of uh, several of the leaders, you know, what their thoughts were and what the kids wanted. They, did, they all talked about trust. And a lot of times we're talking about how we trust our kids and, you know, in, in instilling that trust. But it was interesting to see that all of them were coming back and saying, 
a lot of the students don't trust their parents because they haven't been consistent, because they haven't kept their word, because they, they say one thing at home about a person, and then when they're in a crowd, they say something else. And they, just, they begin to question, I hear you say this, but I see you do this. And your speaking and your acting do not match up. And, uh, it, you know, to me, that was, that was, very, uh, that was very profound. Because that, that's probably one thing that, that hits me, you know, in my life. My dad probably was, the, was one of the greatest integrity men that I knew. He, uh, you know, he was he was chairman of the deacon several times. He, uh, he had, uh, you know, he had 600 people come to his funeral. A lot of people loved him. He did a lot of great things. But whenever I was 24 years old, I, uh, I learned that my dad had sexually molested my aunt while he was, you know, 14 to 18 periodically. And when that came out. My, uh, my aunt totally pushed back from him. And I was traveling up in Louisville, and she wouldn't even open the door. And she had just, it, just from counseling, it kind of popped up in her, you know, through her counseling session, and she recognized it. And, uh, and so then she was just like, oh, my gosh, that did happen when I was a kid. And so it was one of those really hard things. And uh, so there was, there was, the bond of trust was a little broken. My dad was best man at my wedding, but all this happened after we got married. My wife didn't totally trust my dad just because, you know, you know it, it, so there was just kind of this whole, okay, we're seeing my dad in a different way. But honestly, I saw my dad more authentically because I saw my dad broken. I saw my dad confess it. I saw my dad say, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what I did wrong. And all of a sudden, my dad and I had a better relationship because of the authenticity of his pain, of his struggle, and the realization of, you know what? I really need to be careful what I do around kids. You know, whenever I'm of, you know, I've been a Boy Scout leader, whenever I was at camps, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to be make sure I'm appropriate. I, now I teach that to every man. I teach that to every boy. That's why the Sandusky thing just drives me crazy because I had a guy basically want to molest me back when I was 18. I was smaller. I grew when I got in college, but the voice teacher basically was ready to go to town. And I was like going, I was 18, so, but, but that's one of those things I just kind of compressed. But, you know, it's one of those things where trust, you know, I trusted him and he violated that. And, and so I think finding ways, you know, here we have an infant. You know, how do you show an infant that, they, that you are trustworthy? And, um, and, you know, this is one of these things. I really wish Stephanie was here and, uh, because, because she's so great at this. Karen, do you have any ideas on that? You know, just because just, I think especially for young kids and just being able to teach them, you know, because a lot of y'all have young kids. And I realize, you know, I'm, we're a little bit older. But uh, do you have any thoughts? Or you, you can say that later. But Well, it goes both ways. I know that. That as your kids get older, they need you to trust them. And yeah. that's what we didn't do enough. Mm. I mean, I've got to teach a whole class on that. But that they want you to trust them. And when, as you're letting the rope out, yeah. you know, I mean, little by little, even when they're small, you know, as much as you can. 
know, give them instructions and trust them to go do it without following, you know, just whatever. <coughs> and then as they get older, but um, for them to trust you, I guess just consistency and just knowing that you love them and you're going to follow through. I mean, even in the swimming pool, I have my two grandkids now in the swimming pool. And Jacob, when we first get out there, it's like, don't let go, don't let go, you know. And I always, you know, I'm here, I'm here, you know. But then he'll like, let go, I, I, you know, let go, Nana. And then he wants to go himself. So I guess just, just being consistent and being there and following through. Yeah. You know? No, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And they said, you know, babies communicate by crying. So to establish that trust right away is um, to go to them when they start crying. Because if you let them cry too long, then that trust of them not knowing that someone's going to come to comfort them makes them cry longer. Um, and it's harder to comfort them, even when you pick them up or you give them a bottle. So usually, like the first few months of life, when they start crying, if you go to them immediately, then they cry for shorter periods of time. They know that someone will come quickly. Awesome. No, thank you. That's great. And uh, and I think that with Luke right now, we're slowly giving him more and more responsibility. And, uh, you know, setting the table. And whenever he does a great job with it, we go, wow, that was so good. You know, you put the forks out perfectly, the knives and spoons. You do better with that with anybody, you know. And so, and so I, I agree, you know, always giving of age-appropriate uh, responsibilities and looking at them going, I'm trusting you to do this. You can do this better. I know you can do this. You can do this better than anybody else. And then coaching them through it and then backing off and allowing them to do it. And I think, you know, like you said, that, that co- we, we coach and then we begin to back off. And, uh, you know, being able to do that efe- efficiently, you know, it, it, it is, a, is a big part. Of, you know, it, it, one of the things of... I was going to see if that's here later. Uh, yeah, please. You know, uh, one thing that I've uh, failed many, failed quite often even now is that we I say something, but I don't really mean it when I say it. Yes. I think it's for our children we have a lot of trust in us and settings. Then I have to come back and back up what I said. Oh, okay, I didn't really mean to say that. Yeah. So I think it's really always faith because we're quick to speak and uh, out of out of emotion. Well, it, it was really you, you saying that one of uh, one of Caleb Beecham's example about of uh, kids not trusting their parents, uh, we were guilty of. And uh, <laughs> Stephanie was like, "Okay, is Caleb reading our mail?" You know here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and what it was is of uh, driver's education. And he said, many parents will say. We're going to do this here. We're going to, you know, we're going to take care of it. Everything's going to be done. And then they just keep going. Six months later, nothing's happened. And, uh, and so Caleb, our oldest, is an alpha dog. You know, he's, he's 4.0 in mechanical engineering in college. He's just rocking. He's just a... Ch- Andrew is more like me. He's got middle child, people pleaser. Let's, you know... I, I, yeah, you know, and just kind of that creative. And, uh, and so we asked, you know, he, he was like, wanted to get his, his permit, but we weren't as desperate for it because, you know, we had a Caleb to drive and things were going on. And we kept saying, yeah, we're going to do that. Even at Christmas, 
we made the presentation, we gave them the things, said, hey, we've ordered certain things, here we're going to do this, we're going to rock with it. And we still didn't do it. And he, and we, then we got the, we started something in March, and he, we had a couple of paperwork things, but he wasn't completing portion of what he needed to do. So some of it was on him. But finally, he got his permit two weeks ago. And he turned 17 in August. And that just, you know, I'm very ADD. I am the, you know, let's get the life of the party. Let's go out and do stuff. But whenever I read that, I was just, and, and, I, and I have confessed it to Andrew several times. And I said, I'm sorry I, I broke your trust on this. And we, that was a big thing. And he was like, Dad, it's no big deal. And I said, yeah, it is a big deal. But a couple of times I put it on him and I said, look, if you want this to happen, you've got to push this. I said, this is what I've done. Now it's your turn. And then he didn't do his thing. So it was kind of one of those where he and I were pushing on it. But trust is totally a two-way street. And, you know, when you're young, you know, that's why my, Stephanie is real big with me. She says, I don't promise that. And Stephanie, a lot of times I'll say things. Stephanie will, she'll go, I, you know, so, so now I, I've gotten really good at, your mom and I need to talk. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you think that's a good idea? And, you know, because used to, I would just say, I'm thinking we're going to do this. And she goes, what? You know, we're not going to be able to do that. So, so all that to say, the communication between husband and wife is, is paramount. And we're going to talk about that, but, you know, that, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, trust of... You know, establishing trust, we've got to be intentional, communicate. You know, uh, how do we know of when we've communicated that well? Like whenever there's something going on. You know, when a child's asked, hey, what are you doing? You know, why are you in trouble? You know, it, you know it, 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 and so on the whys, you know, so when, it, this kind of relates to some of the discipline. But uh, Stephanie has been really good about, you know, whenever we're going to discipline you, when you're in trouble, we're going to make sure you understand why. You know, you, you didn't just irritate me. You didn't just make my day uncomfortable, so I'm going to discipline you. You know, what you did was you were rude. You, you, you caused the family an inconvenience. We were all supposed to do this, and your behavior caused this. You're going to allow yourself to get hurt. You're going to allow all these things. And so we would talk through all that, and they would go, okay, okay, now I get you really did care about me. You wanted what was best for me. Because one of the best examples of that is if your child is playing in the street and, the, and you say, stop, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're across the way, and the, you say, hey, come home. And they're like, okay, Dad. And they start coming. You say, stop. And they go, oh, you don't mean me to stop. And they walk out, and the car hits them. And so, you know, the reason, you know, you, you, you have to be consistent. So when you say stop, they go, oh, my dad wants me to stop. I don't know why. He just told me to come. But obviously, since my dad said to stop, that's important. And they see the car zoom by. Oh, that's why dad wanted me to stop. And so when you're consistent and you always let them know at the very beginning, I'm only going to do what is best for you, what I, you know, what, what's going to you know, have ways to love you, then they're going to buy into that. And um, one of the other uh, ministers said, trust earned over years of listening without judging, winning their hearts the way Jesus wins our heart, through love and patience. Seeing parents live an authentic faith complete with honesty about failures and a lot of pointing towards Christ. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, so on that one, to, to me, that, you know, one of, the, uh, one of the things that my kids and I have gone through is uh, we, we even, you know, this is with older kids, 
but some of my failures, I, I, have, I've, I was serving on the board for an organization and I've probably didn't disclose some things well and I've, I didn't handle everything with total integrity and, I've, and some of that came out, kind of made me look bad. And, uh, and, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I was also just trying to get from point A to point B the fastest. And I was like, you know what, this is just what I'm going to do. And I was wrong. And so my boys, after all that came out, I took two of my sons on a tennis tournament. And for about 45 minutes, we really unpacked that. And I just said, this is how my brain started at the beginning of this decision. And this is why I did this. And this is whenever I came to a fork in the road. And this is why I took the wrong fork. And this is what happened here. This is how I could have gotten back on the fork, but I chose not to. And I just really unpacked that whole thing. And so now, whenever I, you know, whenever I see my kids make a wrong decision, I've earned permission to dive into that. And just say, you remember how I did that? You're kind of on that same trail. Was that, the most, was that the best integrity you could have done with that? And, and those, those conversations can still happen with a five-year-old, a seven-year-old. You know, whenever, uh, you know, one of the best ways of that is whenever a, uh, you know, two kids are playing and you see them starting to hit each other and, you know, it, 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 and they're arguing and then you, you, know, it, it, you say, hey, we got to separate, you, you back them out. And then, you know, the other kid goes home and you say, what happened? Well, he was taking this. Well, did you do this? Well, yeah, I kind of did do this. And you're like, whoa, hold on. You did that? Yeah, I did. And you kind of unpack that. You say, I think we need to go make a phone call. So then you pick up the phone. You call that other, par- that other family and say, hey, uh, Johnny and I need to come over. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, sure. Why? Well, we just need to come over. So you and you, you and your child go over, and you have your child apologize and talk through that and say, "I was wrong whenever I did that." That's going to teach your kids so much that one, you know, you know, doing the right thing. It's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be hard, but you know, it, 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 you know that kid now has trust of that other kid. He reconciled that relationship, and then, the, uh, you know, the, then that, that parent trusts you, and you know, it, so that it just pulls in all the trust. Because I think a lot, you know, I think part of the problem with our world is we have a we have a lot of adults that don't know how to trust each other, and don't know how to deal with conflict. I just think the lack of conflict, kids and parents being able to deal with that, it's one of the big problems. Come on now. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see here. Like, uh, you know, it, 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 I think y'all had said this. You know, we need to extend to our kids opportunities to grow and earn trust. You know, so the, 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 we're going to talk about some things in a little bit for y'all to work on. But I, I want for all of y'all to start thinking of what are some activities that are age appropriate, whatever the age is, that you can start coming up with some ways for your kids to start learning of how to do of of earn trust. All right. So now we're moving on to establishing communication. Um, here's what someone else said: of you know, love, truth, consistency. This is one of the things. What are students looking for from their parents? So love, truth, consistency. I was talking with a student just the other night who mentioned that their parents said communicated one thing in private, and then around others has said another thing. 
Kids want to trust their parents, so parents need to beware of their words and actions. I mean, that's just... That's so real. You know, because to me, that's part of the crux of really being a good parent. Because really, what are we? We are an example of Christ. We are trying to... We are the coach. We are the modelers. We are the... Of the discipler to the disciplee. So if we're there to engage, teach, pour in, if we're not authentic, then we're a fraud. You know, we are nothing. And uh, I don't know if it's on this this next one. Of uh, of uh, uh, one of the guys said that our, our, our children have a fraudinator or something where they're a hyperware that they, 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 they can sense when we're being fraud when we're not you know being the truthful all that kind of stuff um, but anyway of uh, so you know moving on to Ephesians 6 of uh, 1 through 4 because we do want our children to obey us children obey your parents for the Lord for this is right honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And then I put on this, you know, not as if, you know, if you don't do all this, it's a promise that you're going to live forever. That's not necessarily it. But, you know, we do want our children to obey us. And and we've talked about that, you know, obey right away, all the way. You know, that's huge. But this this verse here, the, the fourth, of fathers do not provoke your children to anger frustrate them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And uh, that's, a, that's, that's one of my big verses. You know, when we talk about trust, you know, and just getting our children to trust, to believe, you know, uh, they trust us because they know that we care about them, that we're listening to them. And, uh, you know, I have been known to, you know, you know, get, get a little angry at times, and it's usually just because I'm tired. You know, I think bedtime is one of Satan's biggest, biggest victory times in my family. You know, it's whenever he wants to read three stories, and I'm, I don't want to read any stories. And I'm like, and then I start negotiating. He says three, I say one. You know, three, zero. You know, and he's like, so that's sitting in our house a lot. And then I'll stop and I'll go, shut up, Eric. He wants you to read. Take a deep breath. And then I'm like going, okay, let's read. But, you know, that, that, is, but, but, but that is real, you know. And, uh, and my kids can tell whenever I'm just, I'm just tired and they're irritating me. You know, and, and I'm in that area of communication. You know, I'm losing the battle, and uh, you know, you know, I'd love to hear a few of y'all's examples of that. You know, what are some ways that you probably have frustrated your children, and then uh, maybe some ways that you try to do better? My daughter, sometimes I'll, uh, you know, try to get her to do the right thing because she's she's just real headstrong. Yeah. And so I tell her to go to her room, and then I'm standing there, and she wants me to get out. And so I'll stand there, and I'll stand there, and you can tell she's just going, get out, get out, get out. And it's just frustrating her more and more and more. And so I'm going, no, I'm going to stay in here. (laughs) (laughs) Right here. I'm paying the mortgage on this house. I can be wherever I want to be. What you're supposed to do or whatever. And so all of a sudden I can see that she is going through the roof. Yeah, and I'm just. I said, all of a sudden, man goes. I just need to, you know, I just need to room, whatever. I'm going. 
I just should have just left her alone and not done anything. And she yeah. would calm down. Other than that, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was like, I'm going to stand here until they behave. <laughs> she's going the other direction. She would not. Yeah. Just nothing's going to happen until I just, just left the room. She's five and a half. In case anybody yeah. <laughs> hey, I I totally I can totally see it. What, what's another one? Yeah. Uh, our kids uh, bicker and they share the same room and they're 13 and 14 and one will do something to the other and so then when I end up getting involved, it's well he did this, well he did that, well he did that, and you know I'm tired and I'm selfish with my time. And I just finally say, okay, well, you're in trouble, and, you know, and you did this, so you're getting this punishment without knowing the whole story. Yeah. And so that really angers the other one. Oh, yeah. Understandably, it would make me upset, too. That's right. But I don't want to hear it because I'm tired. (laughs) And you're old enough to solve this problem yourself, and I don't want to hear it anymore. Yes. Yes. So I know that I'm frustrating them. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So many times I remind myself, I'm the adult here. Yeah. I'm the adult here. Act like the adult. Okay, okay. Right, exactly. Anyone else? One thing about the, you know, being so tired at the end of the day or whatever, is that we try to fit so many things in between supper and dinner or whatever, and then bedtime, that sometimes if we flip flop and do the important thing with the child first, you know. And I don't know how you do when they brush their teeth or get their pajamas on, but sometimes we wait so late till. I mean, even brushing teeth is hard. Yeah. We wait so late to do it. So if you just flip flop and say, okay, after supper we're gonna have an hour when we do, you know, everybody does their own thing or play or whatever, make phone calls, answer you, whatever, and then, but at a decent hour, not too late, we're gonna start reading stories. And set, you know, if you have family time once or twice a week, you know, don't make it the last thing, you know, when everybody's tired and nobody wants to sing or nobody wants to, you know, because that's frustrating to them and to us because you don't put much into it because you're tired. So just, you almost have to schedule good things. Oh, you got to. You have to. They either get shoved away or whatever. So, you know, just make them, whatever's priority, make it priority and, you know, and then everything else can go to pot, but not not the important thing. Totally agree. Totally agree. You know, uh, one of one of the things Lauren said is he he said it is uh, it is it is really common for uh, for students to be shutting for, for parents to be shutting down communication in ways that they don't see, and their kids will never let them it uh, never let them if they don't think a parent will receive it. They start enduring a relationship with their parents, but not gaining life from it. Check it uh, kids check out and then come to me and they've been about it. <laughs> I've heard variations of this story three times this week. It's the norm. So, so because he said, make sure you tell kids it's really common for them to be shutting down communication in ways that they don't see, and their kids will never let them know, and they'll never let them into it. They start enduring their relationship with their parents and not gaining from it. I think a lot of us could probably say that. You know, if you came in, if you grew up in a harsh relationship, you know, harsh home, you endured your father, you endured your mom, but you're like, let me just get out of here. And then they were ready to check out. And so, so I think, you know, that the, the fathers do not 
provoke your children to anger. I think if you see your kid getting angry, if you see your kid glaze over, that's when you go, okay, what percentage of this did I have, was I responsible for? You know, just, yeah. What I do also is that I try to correct my children, I try to instruct my children in the heat of the moment. Yes. Instead of setting aside and letting tempers calm, then do instructions with my children later on. It's tough to get out of that habit because I want, I want the best for them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that's not the best time to be teaching our children. No, no, because we're usually got a bad attitude. We're firing off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, it, 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 and that kind of goes back to some of the, you know, you know uh, communicating the whys of discipline. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, Corey Tim Boone, there's a lot of stuff that we've learned from that in the hiding place. But, uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, her dad's suitcase story. I don't know how many of y'all know that. But, uh, you know, one, one day Corey was asking her dad. She said, Dad, you know, why is this happening? You know, you know what, what, what's going on with, you know, you know with, with, with this family? And he said, uh, can you go get my briefcase? You know, my doctor's kit. I, I, I need something out of it. She said, sure. So she walked over there, <laughs> you know, and he's like, it's too heavy. I can't carry it. Well, what you just asked me is too heavy for me to tell you. And, uh, and that's just one of those great examples. And we use that every week in our family. Because our kids are always asking us stuff, especially when they were younger. Now that they're well, you know, three teenagers, it's a little less of that. But when they were younger, that was a continual thing. They would say, tell me this. And they would ask them why, and they'd get frustrated because they'd want to know this. Or why can't I go see this movie? Or why can't I do this? That movie's too heavy for you. And so we would kind of talk through that. And that kind of, you know, they might not like it, but they would accept it. And they would go, okay, okay, I, I, I hear you. Um, and I think part of that, you know, in the communication is choosing your battles well. Uh, and, and I think using your spouse to help you know how to choose those battles. Because a lot of the, a lot of the problems with the relationships with our kids is, you know, kind of what you said, you know, you know, whenever you're getting angry, you're frustrated, and it's like, now's the time to escalate this, you know, and we're hot, we're angry, it's like, we're going to nip this one in the bud, and it's like, no, this probably isn't the best time to do that, you know, that might be a better time whenever we're, uh, you know, we could kind of slow down, she and I are going to sit and talk about this whenever, uh, whenever things, we have cooler heads, and uh, we're all a little calmer, so uh, Stephanie and I will schedule a time and say, hey, you and I, we're, we're going to go have coffee tonight, and you and that, you, the three of us are going to talk about this. And they'll say, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I think practicing obedience at home and uh, in, in figuring out how to do that, one, I think one of the things Stephanie did really well is every time before we would go to church, especially with the little ones, we'd say, okay, we're, okay where are we about to go? We're about to go to church. Okay, tell us the things we do in church. Okay, we go to class, we do this, we do this. Okay, do we run in church? No. Well, what, what, you know, and say, why, why don't we run? Well, because there's some older people there, we can knock them over. There's some little kids, you can knock them over. And so we would just talk through what church looks like and why we don't run, why in the sanctuary after the service we don't run and just it's a big football field because there's other kids that are there and there's people that can hurt. Now Luke still does that some. And Luke always wants to go to the prayer thing and grab a sheet of paper and make an airplane out of it. And that's, you know, it's like, because uh, he, he did, can't run, but he could throw an airplane. And I was like, well, we're going to probably poke a person's eye out, you know, so we've got to be careful on that. But, but you know, but, but 
then that goes to, okay, before we go to a friend's house for dinner, okay, whose house are we going to? Oh, this. Hey, what toys do they have? Oh, they have great toys. They have this toy. They have this toy. Oh, those sound like fun toys. Hey, does Johnny like for you to play with those toys? No, sometimes he doesn't like for you to play. I don't know. Why. Well, you know what? That's probably, that's Johnny's special toy. You know, I bet you, if you had a toy like that, wouldn't that be a special toy of yours that you would want to protect? Well, yeah, I would. Well, you know, that's probably the way Johnny feels about that toy. That's one of his favorites. He wants this to be this way. So we want to help him protect that special toy. Wouldn't you want you know them to protect? You know, to honor your toy? Well, yeah, I guess they would. Well, then we're going to treat his toy that way. And then, you know, what else did they have at their house? Well, let's see here. Oh, they have these plants. They have this. Hey, do they like you to break those plants and play with them? No, they really don't. So, you know what? When we're back in that back room, we're not going to play in that room because of this. And so we would do the driving over. We would just kind of talk through it. So then they would go, okay, okay. Now, they're going to forget 50% of it. And that's, you know, and some of that's going to happen. But... Whenever they, they, something goes wrong, we're able to talk through it and, you know, and be able to coach and you know, walk through and just say, hey, you did this, but let's talk through that. Because when we've done that, now we have kids going to parties. Now we, it's like, hey, tell me about their house. Well, they have this, they have this. You know, what kind of movies do you think they're going to show? Well, they're probably going to show this or this. Do you, or, you know, do you think that would be an appropriate movie? Well, probably not. Well, why wouldn't it be? Well, because of this and this. Well, hey, what else could you do? Well, you know what? Hey, I guess I could go play this. Well, hey, why don't you take a deck of cards and some spoons, put those in your bag. If they decide to watch that movie, you can grab a few kids and y'all can go back and play, play a card game. Hey, that's a great idea. And so we do a lot of that kind of coaching of you're about to go into this situation. What's going to be your escape valve? You know, you know, Because I think teaching kids that you're not stuck in this situation. You're not stuck in this where I'm going to fail, but being prepare for that. And because um, and we do a lot of plays, and, uh, and so our kids will, you know, it's, you know, some kids in these plays are great, some of them are not so great. And so, you know, hey, there's conversations going on. How are you going to handle some of those conversations? So we do a lot of that coaching of, okay, what's going to happen here? You know, how are you going to handle that? And really, we want them to talk it out. We're not trying to say, my, you know, I don't want them to say, my dad said I can't play this. You know, when they're younger, they can kind of play that card. But once they get older, we want them to own it. But we, by them talking about it and verbalizing it, we know why they're wanting to do that. Um, and let's see here. I'm just curious, do any of y'all have any other good training, you know, you know, talk, you know, for different age appropriate that y'all, hey, you know, whenever we go here, these are some things we talk through? Church. We talk about it. What do y'all say? Where are you going today, church? I was like, so what are we going to do? We're going to be happy. We're not going to cry when mommy drops me off. Like, because he was having a lot of trouble when I dropped him off, crying mm-hmm. and throwing a fit. Yeah. And finally, from talking through, the teacher asked me one day, she goes, well, what are you doing? He's not throwing a fit anymore. And I said, well, I just started talking to him before we got here. And I was like, thank you, God. Because that really helped. But I never thought about it in other situations or as they get older, yeah. how that would be really helpful. Yes. Along the same line, my son was having separation anxiety when we dropped him off. And it took my wife sitting in saying, you don't drop him off anymore, I'll drop him off. Because he was getting there, he was having a fit, and then he was acting out because parents weren't there. And her standing at the door and watching him for about five or ten minutes letting him know, well, Mommy's still here watching. I can't just go in here and have a fit or cry or whatever. He started to learn 
okay, I need to act right in here. Yeah. And about three months of her dropping him off totally changed it. And the teacher said, you know, he doesn't have a fit, he doesn't act out, he doesn't go and cry in the corner. He's engaged and asking questions and participating. And so that made a huge difference. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, <coughs> the, uh, you know, and, and I think Stephanie, one of the things she would talk about as a speech, she, she, she has her master's in speech pathology and she mainly worked with young kids. And, um, and she would see a lot of kids really acting out. And, you know, and it was, you know, they'd be frustrated, they would be angry, and the parents were just, you know, seeing that behavior, and they were frustrated, and they were just trying to, to, to stop it. And Stephanie realized, you know what, it was a child that didn't know how to verbally communicate and didn't know how to say what they wanted to say. And so Stephanie would go, okay, what could they be wanting? Okay, they just want to tell their parent this. They're wanting something to eat. They're wanting to do this. And Stephanie would say, is this what you're wanting? And they'd say, yes, that's what I wanted. And so a lot of times, you know, there was a need for that. And so one of the things Stephanie did with our kids uh, before they were able to talk is she taught them sign language. And so, you know, you want to eat. You know, you want water. And so, you know, she had about five or six words that all the kids, you know, all done, you know. And so, you know, are you all done? They go... And so then we go, okay, they're all done. You know, so sometimes they would use it to get out of things, but, it, you know, obviously. But, 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 but it was, but, but real quickly, that was developing trust. That was, hey, I'm giving you the chance to tell me something, and I'm responding. We may not do what you want to do, but I hear you. And so I think, you know, that, 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 you know and, and then we use the, the phrase, I've heard this so many times, use your words. You know, crying and screaming does not fly in our house. You know, when the kids start crying and screaming, you say, when you stop screaming, we're ready to talk. Use your words. Use your words. We'll sit over there. You know, and so you can't exasperate your kids, but use your words is a great phrase. And you just, and you got to keep saying that, and you, and eventually they'll buy into it. Now that they're older, you know, they're, 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 they're much better at that. And, uh, you know, and, and as you uh, get, get older, uh, here I was going to, you know, the opposite. Uh, the, uh, I think I hit all, all that. And, and I think one of the things, you know, Stephanie, was, 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 we were talking about, is a lot of times, you know, the, 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 there's, there's two big style of parenting. You have the authoritarian the, you know what, we're going to have great rules, we're going to, you know, you know, we're, you know everything's going to be set in stone, we have our chores list, we're going to have this, everybody's going to do this, and then you have the passive parent, it's like, you know what, it's going to work out, you know, you know, I want my kid to be happy, I want them to feel loved, I want them to feel secure, let's just give them what they need, you know, and everything, and so the, 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 the art of parenting is the balancing act, it is it, it is that challenge of, okay, I can't be this, I can't be this, we've got to figure out how to pull this together. And really, that's the art of communication between parents. Or if you're a single parent, getting somebody that you can dive in with. And I have a lot of friends that do that. And Stephanie talks to a lot of, you know, we, we try to coach a lot of single parents. We're happy to do that. But it's being able to talk through and game plan. And that's one of the big things we're going to talk about is that kind of developing a game plan. But, uh, you know, being able to talk through, think through things. Hey, how can we do this better? 
that is to, to me one of the, the one, one of the big challenges and uh, you know one of the things I want us to do in a little bit we're going to dive into you know training you know how to train our kids but of we're going to have a break in a couple minutes figure you know a little bio break just to stretch our legs a little bit but before we do that you know we've been you know I think to really to trust our children, to train our children, to build up our children, we've really got to understand our children. And we've got to know who they are. We've got to know their strengths. You know, I've, there's a, one great book. I was tearing through looking for this book. This is one of the things I was going to do yesterday for the nine hours I was gone from home. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, but one of the things, there's a book called The Treasure Tree. How many of y'all read that? It's a great book. And what it does is it talks about the four of characteristics. You know, you got the beaver, you know, that, that's the engineer. They love to think. They love to process. And then you have the, uh, the otter. Hey, let's just go have fun. Kind of the life of the party. And then you have the golden retriever. You know, I, you know, I just want to love you. I just, you know, Mom, it looks like you're sad. You know, can I go get you a thing of water? You know, it's just, you know, they just care. And then you have the lion. Uh, guys, we need to go over here. Let's, you know, we need to take care of this. So they're the born leaders. And, uh, and so, you know, one, I think as we're guiding our children and we're thinking about, you know, you know, how are we going to, you know, you know the, the way we would treat an otter is, you know, versus a beaver. You know, the, the love language for an otter is, hey, you know what, you know, you know, you, you, you know you've done a great job on your chores. You know, you've done everything we want. Hey, let's go have a party. You know, I, I know you've been wanting to have a couple of friends over. And so let's plan a fun party. They're like, yes. Okay, you know, they love to plan. You know, the party, this is going to be a great thing. And then the beaver is... You know what? Uh, you know you you have you, responded. You've you've done the things we wanted to do. Hey, how'd you like to go to Legoland? You know, let's go to Legoland. Let's build us a few racers. Let's do a little race competition. Maybe take a couple of your buddies. And uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna build the best car. You know, I'm gonna design it this way. I'm gonna put all this together. And they're just so they're thinking in blocks. I'm thinking this. An otter's thinking in people. We're having a party. You know, and so really being able to think about. What your kid's love language is, how they respond. Your lion wants to know, wow, you know, whenever I saw you with your friends did, you know, uh, on the soccer field, you did a great job of leading. You know, you, know, you reached out to that kid and you saw that he wasn't you know, you know, doing well with the other kids and you brought him along and said, hey, come along, you know, you know, I, I, I want you to uh, be a part. And you included him. You, 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 you showed the other kids he was worthy of you know, being talked to and you kind of put your arm around him. You led the other group to love this other kid. So, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> And uh, then it's just, you know, the, the spiritual gifts. I, I know we're going to get into talking more about shape as a church. And, uh, and I think understanding the shape of your children is incredibly important. And, uh, and so, in a, you know, in a little bit, of, we're going to kind of write down, you know, what some of our kids are, what we think, you know, and kind of some of their personality traits. So I want you all to kind of start milling on that a little bit. And, you know, and everybody's like going, okay. He's six months old. I don't really know yet. <laughs> and if that's the case, that's okay. My wife said if they, if they only have a six-month-old, they can focus on each other, the parents. Hey, this is how you're doing well with your parenting. These are the things I've seen. So, so we can certainly do that. But, uh, but hey, why don't we take a, uh, you know, about an eight-minute bio break real fast, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get going again.
<laughs> That's so, right. Question, did you turn that thing on or did you forget? I just left it on. Is that like one of those electrical dog collars where if you go too long, it kind of gives you a little bit of a Yeah. Well, he said if you think you move around, you might want to put it on. So. Jonathan has the control back there in the back. Exactly. Shock me. Well, hey, as we get started, uh, what would, if somebody was going to say, hey, probably the biggest parent win... You know, that, that moment where I was like, yes, I'm a good parent. You know, we'll, 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 you know give, give me a couple of those this week. You know, I don't want to hear about the failures, but, you know, t- today, so, so anybody got a good win they want to tell me about this past year? Yeah. <laughs> She's got a two-week-old, so that's a big victory. That's awesome. What's another one? Yes. Um, my daughter is 19 months old, but since she was about 10 months old, um, definitely realized she has a really sensitive heart. I mean, old. <laughs> I mean, I don't even like say no to her because she'll just break down in tears. <laughs> um, starting at 10 months old, like she bit me, and I knew it was an accident, and I just flinched. I mean, she was inconsolable crying, and it really was a moment where I was like, Lord, I have no. And she doesn't cry very much, so like, I don't know what to do for her. He said, Tell her you're not mad at her. Amen. And so. Like Alexa's not mad at you, and just stop. So to this day, <laughs> any moment where she does something, I'm like, we don't need shoes, we don't play with electrical sockets. And before she can really start getting worked up, I'm like, I'm not mad at you. And I just love you. And she, she won't cry. Like that's all she needs to hear. Aww. Is like, I'm not mad at you. <laughs> you know, to protect you. That's a great word. It's, yeah. So I'm, I'm just glad I asked the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what to do with her right now. So you know her. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she just has a sensitive heart, and it's really helped. Mm-hmm. The way I talk to her, it's really sensitive. Yeah. She needs to know those things. And I didn't think I'd have to communicate that to her. I'm not mad at you. You bet me. But it's not a big deal. But she has to hear those things verbalized to her. I'm not mad at you. So. Even at 10 months old. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Is there another one? Okay. You can tell later. <laughs> you know, in, in one of the examples Stephanie and I were talking about, about communicating with with our kids and she was at first we were thinking about it it was like well I don't want them to think it's unconditional but you know with with, with a, a newborn with a young one you know just after a nap you know just affirming them saying you took a great nap you know and just talking to them about that you know whenever our kids take a nap we we affirm that we affirm the good behavior you did a great job with this hey you ate you did a great job with this when they clean up their closet whenever they clean up Wow, you did a great job with this. And so I think, you know, the gift of encouragement, you know, is a huge, huge thing. And just, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think you should almost, you know, put a sticky note on your thing and just say, have I encouraged my kid today? You know, just every day, whether they're six months old or they're 26, you know, we need to be encouraging them every day and what's going on. You know, it just, it, it just you know, building them up. Because that was, when I look at my dad, it's probably one of the best, one of the things I miss the most about my dad is about every two or three days he would call me and say, hey, I've been praying about X. Anything happened with that? 
And he would just say, hey, how are you doing with this? And he would just, Eric, you're such a great father. You're so good at this. You know, you, you do a great job with this. And my dad would just constantly, you know, throw those words of affirmation and talk through that. So, once again, I think that's a great thing for us as parents is to create a habit of being the number one affirmer, the number one cheerleader in your house. And that, you know, mom and dad trying to outdo each other. You know, and that's a great thing. Um, okay, our next one. I have no idea how many things I've skipped here. <laughs> uh, yeah, here, um, yeah, here we go. Um, <clears throat> so I asked of, you know, the, you know, training them to be passionate followers of Christ. You know, and, of, and, and, and so... Uh, you know, asking the, I, the, one of the questions I asked is, why do some students who grew up in the church fall away? And uh, you know, here's one of them. You know, here I think this may have been Caleb, but he said, here's something you probably don't, you know probably don't want to hear, but I believe some fall away because they aren't believers. You know, I think I think a lot of the you know it's the old thing. Well, if if, if you stand in a garage long enough, it makes you a car. You know, it's like, no, you know, and a lot of these kids, we put them in church, we send them to youth camp, they walk, you know, they, they, they go forward, they do all this, but was it really in their heart? And I think that's going to come from you consistently, you know, talking with them, discipling them, working with them, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, and it's a dangerous thing to assume your student is a believer, you know, many times students head to college and it's the first time they really have to think about the tough questions of life. And they've never really been challenged. They've never really had to think of, you know, okay, how am I going to answer that? How am I going to prepare for that? And, uh, you know, that's why one of the things I love this summer, uh, we've got that apologetics class coming up that uh, Eric's teaching. And I think it's for ninth to 12th graders. So if you have any kids, you know, that are in that age, maybe even, maybe even hit some junior high, I would make sure you send, that, send your kids that. I think Sunday night through the month of July. So uh, it would be a great class to go to. Um, and I heard another, of, heard another of pastor say, um, uh, let's see here. I think, it's hard when, I think it's hard when parents preach Christianity but don't pre- practice gospel in their parenting, you know, of I, you know, yeah, I, I, like I said, I listened to a lot of Matt Chandler, and Matt's been going through the Book of Galatians, and Galatians is all about, okay, G, you know, Gentiles, you're now Christians, welcome to the family. Okay, here's the law, here's circumcision, here's all this stuff. The Jews were saying, great to have you with us. And they and so the Jews were giving them all the plus, you know, the the, the God the, the gospel plus, and you you know here's all this, but now we got to add all this into it, but of uh, and so so then when you put that with us parents is you know okay I say I do this you know I I, I say I'm doing these things but I'm not really living out the gospel, and the gospel is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ who covers my sins, washes away my sins? Am I able to live in communion with God? Am I able to be who God created me to be? Am I able to be reconciled with God? And so uh, I think, you know, us being able to continually, you know, be passionate about Christ, you know, I think, you know, you know, it, you know if, 
as your kids listen to your conversations with your friends, do they mainly hear you talking about Obama versus Romney? You know, how the Mavs are idiots in free season, you know, in, in, in a free agency, and how, you know, you know what are the Cowboys going to do? And that's when you're most passionate in your conversations. Or do they hear you say, you know what? I got a coworker that's lost. And this is what I've been trying to talk to them about. You know, hey, how, how would you, you know, you got any suggestions on how I could reach them? You know, or this neighbor, hey, kids, you know, I, I, I see what's going on with, the, with this family. The husband and wife seem to be fighting a little bit. Could y'all pray for me? I'm going to go over and talk to them. You know, and your kids seeing you engage your neighbors, your friends, your family using the gospel and being passionate about it. And, uh, it, it, and I, it, you know, the last two years, I think one of the big reasons my parenting has gotten better is I realize my two sons are going to be leaving the house. In the fear of, are they going to treat their wives the way I have a lot of my marriage? Or can I do better the next two years and hopefully they'll start doing, treating their wives the way I've been doing this the last two years? You know, are they going to be as passionate about... Uh, you know their faith as what I'm trying to do now. That you know, I'm, you know, I, I've been serving in the prayer room the last couple of years, and that's really just changed a lot of my perspective of praise and prayer and just engaging. So I'm trying to impart that with the kids and trying to get them to be more engaged. Hey, how do we pray and how are we doing this? And so you know, so, so you know, really, I, I truly feel one of the biggest stumbling blocks. Or the biggest energy for, does a child choose to follow Christ? Do they choose to accept Christ and be passionate about it after they leave? Is how do I live it out? How do us parents live it out? And, and, and so I think it, it's, a, it's a weekly, it's a daily thing. Every week I have to go, okay, have I had a good conversation with them of what I said at work Okay, have I really had a good conversation with anybody at work? So, you know, a lot of times I'll engage somebody at work about something, you know, gospel related. You know, you know, you, you know we're talking about, uh, you know, of, you know, you know, a, a couple of coworkers are living with people, you know, and so you know, I'll kind of engage that a little bit. We'll kind of dive into that with the coworker. And then I'll come home and I'll talk to my kids about it. It's like, boy. I kind of opened up a can of worms. I don't know if I handled it very well, but this is what happened, you know. And so I'm going to tell them how I stumped my toe. This is what we what we did. This is what the conversation was. We had some success with it. It didn't go great, but uh, I'm going to reload tomorrow. And we're going to go back at it, you know. And you know, it, 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 I, this is what I studied in the Bible. And this, I'm, I'm actually I picked up a book, and this is what we're engaging with it. You know, since we're in the drama ministry, you see a lot of 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 you know uh, people that are. Um, Un, you know, you know, homosexual. I'm trying to think of what the better word is, but uh, but basically, uh, you know, you know, you know the, people unsure about their sexual orientation. And so, uh, Caleb, when he was 14, he went and got a book, "What to Do When My Friend Says He's Gay." And I was like, "Wow." We, we, we kind of saw it at a bookstore, so we pulled that book out, and we started reading it, and just thinking, okay, hey, h- how do we engage that conversation? You know, how do we walk with that? And that is going to be a huge conversation in the next 10 years. I think we all know that wave is coming, but if you don't think that wave is coming, that wave is coming. That wave is on us. 
And so preparing our kids to have that conversation of this is why I feel like same-sex marriage isn't what God planned and finding a loving way to say that. And so, so really our kids, we talk about that a lot. And just, you know, how are we going to engage that? You know, how do we engage, you know, couples that want to live together? Because Caleb's, you know, as a 19-year-old, he's going to start seeing that a lot. So how do you engage that? How do you lovingly, in the gospel, have that conversation? And so, uh, so I, I would say all the things that we have, the conversations we need to have, we don't need just to give, this is what my opinion, we need to give what the gospel says. What does the word say? And so kind of diving into that. Um, the, uh, you know, one of the things I, I had popped up, and I hate this, I'm a, I only had it in a PDF. Uh, so I couldn't pull it up. Can't make it any bigger? Oh, well. Okay, here's a way to kind of live out Deuteronomy 6. You know, when we were talking about of, you know, you know, going back to it, you know, in the uh, as you go along the way, when you rise up, when you go to bed, uh, let's see here, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you know, what are some ways that you can actively do this? And uh, and so, if you don't do anything else. This is one of these where I would love for you to, to find out ways, and we're going to discuss some ways to do this. But find a way to make this part of your MO. How do you, how do you, how, how do you guide your family? How do you prepare? So formal discussion, mealtime. Um, you know, being able to pick up a topic and talk about it. You know, like of, you know, if you have older children, of you, 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 you you know, two or three years ago, you would have brought up the uh, the Holloway girl who uh, went down to uh, Aruba and disappeared. It's like, you know what? She was involved in a church youth group. She was a good girl. But one night, she thought, you know what? I'm going to, hey, anybody that wants, I can email a copy of this to you. But uh, one night, she decided, you know what? I think it'd be fun to go to Charlie O's or uh, Carlos and Charlie's, and just kind of see what's going on down there. So she went there without her friends, just thought, hey, it might be kind of fun, it's a bar, and she's never been seen again. One choice. I mean, that's just a great, you know, example to talk to your daughters about. It's like, you can be great, you can do all this, but one time you choose to do this, then you're not seen again. And so, uh, and then there are a a lot of great of ways to do meal time of you know you know a lot of times you know we'll you know I'll ask the kids hey you know what passage have you read this week you know what mean you know what's what's one that's meant a lot to you so we'll do that there's a lot of great books out there you can go to family life and there's heritage builders there's a lot of websites that you know I'll send y'all some connections with those we'll talk about but you know find a way to at meal time have some meaningful conversation and do some teaching of drive time, informal dialogue, you know, becoming a friend of, you know, one of the bonuses of Andrew not having his license is he and I, he and I are probably the closest 
just because we because he and I get to talk a lot because I'm taking them places and now I'm teaching them to drive and we're you know we're having a lot of great conversations but you know he 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 and I talk about stuff that I never did with my dad you know from from girls you know you know bringing up girls you know you know sex masturbation you know you know d- dealing with you know tough friendships you know guys that think they're gay you know dealing with you know those conversations you know and it just you know just all of that and so there is a lot of just informal dialogue you know I'm continually you know my kids will kind of laugh they'll say okay yeah dad dance was great tonight I got to talk to this and I'll kind of go I'll start to ask a question and Bonnie says yeah dance was great tonight thank you and I'm like going let me ask the question I want to be a good dad and so my kids know I'm going to ask questions. You know, as soon as they get in the car, hey, you know, who who are the friends you had conversations with tonight? Well, I talked to so-and-so and and says, oh, great, how are they doing? You know, and they were like, well, I don't really know. You know, one comedian we we talk about is uh, the guy, uh, Brian Regan. We got any Brian Regan fans? Love Brian Regan. But uh, Brian Regan, he, he was joking around with his wife. He went and played golf with a guy that was recently divorced. And the wife got home and she said, well, How's Johnny doing? Uh, okay, you know. Uh, well, is he dating anybody? Uh, no. You play golf with him for four hours? You don't even know how he's doing after the divorce? Is he dating anybody? Is this... He got a new driver. You know? <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times, us guys, you know, we're only, you know, hey, we're hanging out. But you know what? That's kind of what that friend needed. But, you know, you get two ladies together, and they're going to know everything. You know, it's like, well, she's done this, she's done this, she's been crying three nights a week, she's been doing this and all this. And so, so if you have boys, you have to be intentional. You have to ask questions. And, and, and so, you know, the drive time is that informal dialogue, being, in a, being a friend. Bedtime, intimate conversation of... Stephanie taught me this early on, and I was pretty good about this. Because I'll never forget, when I was 16, I came home late one night, and my dad was waiting up. And he kind of somewhat gave me the right act and said, why did you do this? You know, we talked about it. And then the other times I would come home late, nobody was waiting up for me. Nobody didn't really seem to care. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I got away with that. You know, and so I didn't, I was a good kid. Looking back, I did a lot of things that I should not have done. But I thought I was a good kid at the time. You know, but, but you know, my parents didn't give me any quality control. And they weren't checking it. And Stephanie, our rule is, we're waiting up. And our kids, every night they come in from something, they come in, they hop up on the bed, and they're ready to unpack. And Stephanie will nudge me, and she goes, don't go to sleep. She'll Stay awake. And I'm like going, okay. So I'll kind of sit up. She and, and, and we'll always talk. She says, Eric, those are the precious moments when you really get into a child's heart. Those are the times when you really understand what their hurts, what their pains, what their joys are. And a five-year-old is the same way. A lot of times their precious times are in the morning. You know, Luke comes in wearing his pull-up. This morning, I saw me wearing his pull-up, and he had his underwear over his shoulder like a knapsack, and he came walking in. I said, you got to take care of Mama this morning? He says, yeah. So, you know, and so the, you know, he pulled out the sorry game, you know, and he was putting it up there, and he was going to kind of hang out with her. But, you know, those are those precious moments that, you know, around the bed, early in the morning, at night, you know, try to carve out time. That's one thing Karen said. You know, get you know, get to the point where you can start going to bed early, 
you can you know, uh, you know eat, brush teeth early, do all those things, so then you're able to lay down and you know and spend time with them. Because right now Caleb is the only one that he doesn't really ask for it because he's 19 when he's home, and so he doesn't really uh, push it. But every now and then he'll come in and say, "Hey, can somebody uh, come tuck me in? You know, just come see me." And that's that's code for, you know. I just need to know y'all love and care, and maybe we can talk. But Andrew, my 16-year-old, virtually every night, he, 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 you know, it's, it's midnight, and I'm finishing up something, I'm doing dishes, and he'll say, "Hey, hey, Dad, uh, can you come pray with me?" And at times, I'm like, "Going, I'm tired. In three times a week, good enough. You know, I'm, I'm batting a pretty decent batting average. Just, just can't you pray yourself to sleep tonight?" And then, but, 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 but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, "Going." So I'll kind of stop and say, "Yes, I'll be right there." And I'm like, "Put stuff down. This is important to him, so it better be important to me." And so, yeah, go ahead. And just having six kids, she has nine. But when, when you have that many, sometimes it can be an endurance race because you start out really good with the older kids. You know, you can do this, you do this, you're so good. And then it, you kind of start waning because the marathon is getting a little hard yeah. and you're getting older and tireder and stuff. But you have to go, okay, I need to be give those same things to the younger kids as I do to the older ones. The younger ones can kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes. They really so do. just be careful. You know, Amen. Amen. You know, and, and, uh, and, and so one of the, probably one of the best ways, and we'll talk about this, is just making sure that you have a monthly date with each kid. You know, and, and they can choose what they want to do. There was one dad in Boy Scouts. He was great at it. He was like, and he would do it weekly, and I, I, I just didn't have time for that. You know, we'd try, because I, I got an hour commute over to Addison every day, so it was just kind of one of those where it's like trying to figure this out. But, uh, you know, one kid always wanted to go rollerblading. One wanted to go bike riding at a park. One wanted to just go sit at Starbucks and try new drinks each time. And so, you know, find out what each kid, yeah, really, you know, find out what each kid wants to do. But you find the time to have those intimate conversations because sometimes at night it's just not going to happen. If you've got, you know, you know I, I've learned to live on five to six hours of sleep. Once my kids get out, I'm going to be able to, but, you know, they kind of like staying up late. Caleb's coming in late, different things, but i got to be out early so I can be gone and I'm like gone. So sometimes I'll look at them like, I'm tired. I can't cope with this. i got to take a nap. But uh, so bedtime. And then morning time, encouraging words. You know, uh, I was a cheerleader in college, so that's kind of part of who I am. I enjoy kind of that rah-rah. And, uh, and so, you know, being able to... You know, before Caleb goes and takes a physics exam, you know, it's like, hey, how do you feel about it? You know, you know, and I just remind him, hey, you did great on your uh, on your homework. You scored real well. You spent time on this. You've prepared. You're ready. Hey, let's pray. You know, I'll pray over him and send him on out the way. But a lot of times, I, I really think, you know, a, a lot of times we, we kind of throw when we drop off. Hey, have a good day at school. You know, and but I think each kid could be encouraged a different way. So be intentional. Uh, some of the best dads are the ones that, you know, whenever you have the lunch, you know, you put a note in their lunch. 
so that at 11 o'clock after they've had a hard day, they pull it out and they just see a sticky note. Hey, you know, you're the best. You know, you're such a great friend. You know, you know, especially if you know they're struggling with finding friends. You're such a great friend because you listen. You do this. You do this. Hey, I hope you're able to go you know, make a new friend today. And the kid kind of reads it and he goes, okay, I'm sitting by myself at lunch again. Okay, I am a good friend. Okay, there's Johnny over there. Okay. Then they slide over there and they go talk to Johnny. And so, you know, knowing what they're struggling with, knowing where they, where they need that coaching. And, you know, Andrew, one of the big things I coach him on is taking a chance. There's a lot of times I'm like, this is your year. I want you to fail at a few things. You know, I want you to, we're going to laugh about it. We're going to go celebrate it. But... I want you to go do a few things and you're going to get in a little bit over your head. You're going to fail and we're going to talk about it and we're going to celebrate that. And he'll kind of laugh about it and then I'll push him out because he kind of plays it safe and he doesn't want to make a mistake. He doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He doesn't want to fail and make feel bad. And I'm like going, come on, go. And so we kind of, you know, push that, you know. And so, you know, finding out what ways you can encourage and, you know, and what they're going to need and being able to walk through that. Um... And let's see here. Put on. You know, for you guys of, um, you know, do, do y'all have some you know, examples of what y'all, how y'all have done some of this? Does anybody have anything you want to throw out? Yeah. It's really good for me. Like both, both kids for me at bedtime is just probably the best for me. Uh, we have the best talks. Uh, I feel like a teacher at bedtime because I love I love to teach, but I've never been a teacher. But uh, uh, my daughter knows she knows everything about. You know, we get the books out. She has a cousin who's given her a lot of books on animals, dolphins, you know, all different kinds of things. So she's always asking me questions about everything, and and so that's the time when we sit down for almost more than an hour a lot of times, and we'll just go over. Whatever subject she has on her mind, and or what I have on my mind, which is a special time, and then that kind of just builds. And throughout the day, she's you know talking about what this animal does, the starfish. Then we went to the ocean, we saw a starfish, and that was cool. But it was just for me. That's the mornings and the other times are really hard for me. But but uh, the bedtime, uh, either my son. Sometimes we get get there, get down, and we start talking about just. You know, almost adult things, but you know, just instilling. He's only three, but sometimes I'm thinking, wow, he sounds pretty adult. <laughs> but it's sometimes it's because I'm talking to him just as a person and tell him, you know, just certain things, and then he, all of a sudden he, he's coming out with it. Two, three days later, I'm going, wow, you really listened to me. Huh. Uh, so yeah. that's been really encouraging for me, uh, even though they don't listen sometimes, but they do because they, it comes out. Yeah, later. that's right. They have listened. They just didn't let you know it initially. I agree. Yeah. One thing, you know, this is, is really, I think, impactful in, in knowing, you know, and really having a, a plan of action in terms of, of when you can really target to hit the certain aspects of your child's heart uh, and really be intentional about hitting all the important aspects of their heart. Uh, one thing I found though in, 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 in my son, our son is that sometimes, you know, there have been spontaneous instances where, um, you know, we'll be busy doing something. He'll just say something and, 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 and for whatever reason, God has just, by the grace of God, has just allowed me to recognize 
uh, something he said or the way he said it, the inflection of the tone, that I could have very easily missed it, but yeah. I recognized, okay, this is a teaching opportunity. Yes. And I could have very easily just not even caught it, just gone on, and it's just not even been an issue. But because I God helped me recognize it, we were able to sit down and talk briefly about it, and I really was able to speak something into him and, and teach him something that hopefully would have an eternal value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although, you know, it's good definitely to have a plan of action, because without a plan, the people perish. You know? Yeah. So you have to have a plan or you're not going to get anywhere. But at the same time, I encourage all of us to try to still be sensitive to the fact that there are going to be opportunities where, you know, we're so busy with our hectic lifestyles that you know, we still need to be conscious and open to the fact that there are going to be times where our kids just come to us and they say something to us and we just need to be open and receptive to the fact that there are times that they're going to say something we just need to be receptive to the fact that there are times where we have to respond and an instant recognize when they're needing something from us and take the time out of our busy schedule to really give that nurturing time to speak into their hearts and teach them and help them with something that maybe only be a five minute conversation but maybe something impactful for their eternal future that can just make a world of difference. That's awesome. You know, and yeah, please. I just want to share something on the uh, bedtime. Yep. One of the best things that we ever did was we have a couch in our bedroom. And it's, if our bedroom door is open, kids are in there. And it's just so cool at night, you know, we have nine kids crowded in this room, <laughs> in our bedroom, you know, sitting around talking, joking, you know, and it's just really cool. And even you know, my two oldest have moved out. And it wasn't too long ago, my 20-year-old called and said, you know, it's like 11.30 at night. You know, Can I come over? And he came over. You know, he's laying across the foot of our bed. And, you know, we sat and talked for two or three hours. Awesome. And it's just a real special time, that intimate time. They come to us. You know, yeah. we joke sometimes we fall asleep and they tuck us in and <laughs> <laughs> turn out the lights. <laughs> But it's just really cool that that time. And and I think, you know, ways that Stephanie and I are trying to protect that time, you know, we, we, one, we're just gone, or, you know, we're we're doing a lot of things at different evenings. So luckily, we haven't locked in on several TV shows that we have to watch. And if there are a lot that you are DVRing and keeping up with it, I would try to pare that back a little bit. And just go, okay, what are the shows I really need to see? Because that, that's a big stealer of that intimate time. And so I would really challenge you to find a way to say, okay, you know, you know, what can we do to protect that time? And then I think for Stephanie and I, it's smartphones. You know, it's, uh, it's so easy to sit on the sofa, sit on the bed, flip through Facebook, flip through, you know, you know, email, or, hey, let's just look at WFA News, just see what happened on the day. You know, there's so many of those that we're, we're about to the point where it's like, okay, we're, we're trying to think of what the time is, but all phones go in and plugged in. It's a docking time not to be picked up again. And, uh, you know, it, it, the TV stays off on this. And so just really protect and guard that time. I think it's huge. Um, you know, some tools to be able to teach. And this is, 
I hate, you know, it, when we did this last time, we had some families that were rock stars that were up here. I have to admit, you know, I haven't been great at teaching formally. That's not necessarily my strength, so this is, i got to confess that. Uh, we, we actually homeschool, and so my wife, Part of what, you know, we're in some co-ops and do a lot of different things. But, for you know, we've had some intentional Bible time where we're teaching, that we're training. And I, I'm, I'm still part of that. We talk through it and we process it. So that's kind of curriculum that allows us to cheat and to do that. But a lot of my families, that their kids are in school, or pre, you know, there are a lot of great tools. There's a, a CD called Seeds, uh, and it is one of the, it, it, it's got Bible verses that they kind of sing along. And they sing the verse, you know, and they kind of kind of roll through it, and, uh, and it, it has has biblical truth. I'm going to try to find out the exact name of it, but of uh, uh, it, it is a great one. When I one of the church, we were at Watermark for a while, and some of the ideas I still I, I've gotten from them. I think it's a great church. I'll show you their address, but they uh, but the Seed CD has a uh, well, I'm not blank at finding it, but anyway. Uh, I'll find the exact name. I'll put it here somewhere. But anyway, yeah, Seeds of Faith. And uh, it's a great CD. And one guy, the way they do it is they'll, uh, they, 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 they shuffle it. And so, okay, we're going to, you know, when the kids get in the car, these, especially the young kids, this is a great two to seven year old thing. But okay, who's going to, okay, I'm going to push the button on the forward. Tell me when to stop. Okay, off. Okay, which song that comes up, you know, and so we're going to listen to that. And now we're going to teach off that. We're going to talk about that. And uh, then one thing we've done, and another pastor friend of mine has done, is every day when he drives, he's the, he's the driver to school. They do a proverb every day. So you got 31 proverbs, and they choose what the one is. One of the kids reads it, or, he, or the father knows, hey, these are some good verses, has the kid read it, and then they talk about that. And, you know, so they make sure that that proverb is talked about and they're ready to talk about it. Or you come in and, uh, you know, the kids have worked really hard for earning, you know, one of the, one of the new Madden games, and they're excited about it. You go hide that somewhere in the house, and you say, okay, uh, guys, y- y'all finally earned it. Uh, there's a Madden game somewhere in the house. You've got to go find it. And so they hunt all over the house, and it, they have to tear it up. You know, and you put it in one of the far back corners. And then once they find it, we talk about, hey, we're seeking for treasure, hidden treasure. We talk about, you know, you know, the, 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 you know, the parable of, you know, the guy that you know dug the treasure, found it, sold, you know, sold all he had to buy that field. We talk about, you know, that's God. You know, he sold everything so he could have you. He sold his son. We talk just like you sought that treasure, you sought this. You know, God seeks after you. So there's a lot of examples like that. You know, just to continually teach. There's a great website. You can go to Family Life and just get. You know, there's there's a lot of table devotions. That you can choose, you know, find two or three, you know, find one that fits you. But make a plan, be intentional about that for sure. Um, and in, you know, I think Bible memorization. Of well, one of the best ways to do that is in the summer, because things are kind of slower. You know, memorize Psalm one, memorize Psalm twenty three as a family. And, uh, you know, Philippians 1, Philippians 3, there's some great passages, James 1, one of our favorite in our family. And so, you know, you find a passage, and when all the kids have it memorized, even the five-year-old memorizes a couple of them, you know, you know sell some stuff in a garage sale, go, you know, go spend the weekend at Great Wolf Lodge. Great Wolf Lodge. 
You know, make it a reward that all the kids are involved in and they're spurring each other on. Hey, you've got to memorize this. You know, you, you're, you're in charge of these five verses. Well, here, let me spend time. I want to go on that trip. You know, so they're kind of working with each other. They're spurring each other on. But, uh, you know, memorization, you know, just teaching our kids to hide God's Word in their heart. And then the reality, God's Word is real. And God, the kids know God's Word is real when you're turning around back at them. And you're turning it back around to them whenever you're struggling with a conversation you're having with a coworker. It's like, well, you know, you know, one of my coworkers, we were struggling, so I went to Ephesians two and three, and we were talking about, you know, you know, you know how they, have, you know, how they felt like God couldn't forgive them, and, and, and they were, they weren't worth anything, and they went through and they unpacked that, and uh, you know, you know, so definitely, you know, showing how God's word is real and walking through with that. Um, and 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 I, I said this earlier, but always teach our kids to view conflict as a great discipleship opportunity. Because it's 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 there is no doubt your kids are going to have conflict with friends. You know, we talked about going over to the friend's house and apologizing and talking through that. Your kids seeing you do that and you know talking about how you've been apologizing. And uh, one one rule we had in our house a long time ago is we told our two boys, the two oldest, we said, you cannot hate, you cannot fight with your brother continually because your brother has to be your best friend. And until you treat each other like friends, you're not having anybody else over at the house. So if they were angry and they were fighting, it's like, you know, I'm sorry. No, you want them to come over? They can't come over because y'all couldn't even y'all couldn't get along when y'all were playing the game last time. Y'all need to figure out how to do this. And now... It is. It makes me cry to see how my two oldest boys are really just fighting for each other. I mean, I don't really see them fight about anything. You know, if a- Caleb hears Andrew's going on, he says, "Hey, I'm going to go pick up Andrew. I'm going to go drive him tonight. He and I are going to go to Starbucks. I think I need to talk to him about this." So Caleb already sees things going on in his heart, and he is quick to engage and say, "I'm going to own that." I need to go talk to him. And Caleb is very quick on that. And then when Bonnie, the 14-year-old, wearing something with a little cleavage, and she's fighting with Stephanie about this tank top's getting a little short, you know, all this, and, and they'll go, hey, Dad, you know, does Bonnie know what she does? I think she, she could probably use to hear that from you. Okay, well, I'm going to go drive her to this, and I'm going to go talk to her about this. And so they're engaging. Let me tell you what guys see whenever they see this. And, you know, and so they're engaging and they're having that conversation because they want to protect her heart, sometimes even more than she does. And so they understand the value of that. So if you can create that synergy of kids saying, no matter what, this is your best friend. You're, you're, you're locked in with them. You know, this is what's going to go on. Um, all right, well, hey, one thing I wanted to, to do was, was have a, you know, kind of a bit of a Q&A session and, you know, get you guys involved. And, uh, and I asked the, the Vons to come here and be a part of this. And, uh, and, yeah, I was hoping my wife would be here to talk on some of these, but, you know, since she's not here. But, uh, but you, know, you, you know, some of the questions that you guys have of, you know, you know ways that you've done things well, ways that you, you feel like you've struggled a little bit, and... Uh, and so we're going to, so could you guys come on up? We'll grab y'all a couple of chairs. Or you can stand, whatever you prefer. Yes.
And, uh, you know, and y'all probably have some questions and, you know, a few things. But, uh, you know, for you guys, you know, when your kids were younger, you know, what, you because know, a lot of the, probably 70% of our kids are under the age of seven, I think, you know, as, as far as some of the ones here. So, you know, what are a couple of things that now that you're looking back that you, you know, kind of give you, of, you know, hey, I wish I wouldn't have stressed so much about this. These are the two or three things I wish I would have done better, done more of, you know, and just to kind of pour into their hearts and just kind of prepare them. Think of a couple of things you would speak on that. Things I would have wished I would. Yeah, or or, maybe, or the things you did well. Yeah, or, or, or you you can say the things you did well too, obviously. Um. <laughs> maybe that wasn't a good question to start with. Well, I think early on making a family worship time, mm-hmm. I think we did that pretty well yeah. in the beginning, uh, and. You know, n- not every child's going to be a singer or, you know, whatever, but we would let them pick different songs, and of course, they want to pick the same ones every time and you get tired of that. But, but, I mean, you know, it was it was a really precious time because they learned how to do worship on their, you know, on our own. Yeah. And apart from the big, you know, and they felt a part of it, and they were choosing songs, and they were, you know, choosing different things, and, and one, and... Um, making prayer a really important thing where we wrote down um, we wrote down we said well what do we need to pray about tonight you know and um, even even at bedtime if we if it wasn't family worship you know and just recording things and and having them see that God did provide a way for them to get a bicycle or whatever you know or did heal grandma or whatever um, Prayer is a really important thing, and we, we had a couple that stuttered and different things, and prayer time was really hard sometimes. Yeah. But just being patient and and teaching them that <coughs> they can just talk to God, and 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 I have a grandson now that stays with us four nights a week, uh, and um, he gets tired. And, and and if we save prayer time till too late, he's like, I'm just going to do a quick one, Nana. I'm just going to do a quick one. Because he's tired, and it's like you know, I've waited so long that he's too tired and he doesn't want to pray. Yeah, and it's like that was my bad because you know he likes to pray, but I've waited too long. So I mean, just things like um, you know, making prayer important, um, reminding them you know who they're talking to, and that God really, really hears us, and that He answers, and. Um, and then recording those things and then remembering to thank God when things happen. Because something happened. Uh, one of our son-in-laws got a job that he's applied five times for within his job that he currently has. But it was, it was a step up in the schedule. And we really didn't, you know, I mean, I think we should have had a party. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, things like that make a huge deal when God answers prayer. Amen. Make a big deal out of it. You know, have a celebration. Um, you know, um, some things that I wish we had done differently. I mean, I, I think we did a fairly good job when they were little is trying to give them responsibilities. Don't be afraid to challenge a two-year-old or... 
you know, seven-year-old or whatever with responsibility. Because when they can carry through and do that and you heap the praise on them, Amen. it makes them want to do more, Amen. you know. Um, so, you know, and we, I've learned this especially with the most. Yeah, give an example of that. Okay, like what? Like a heaping challenge, responsibly praise on a seven-year-old. Okay. Well, a lot of times, like, we'd pair them up. You know, pair them up like if you're going somewhere. It's okay. Seven-year-old, you you know, Rachel, you get Anna's hand, you, you know, and um, you, you could praise them about, you know, uh, taking good care of, boy, you really watched her and you, you know, uh, took care of her and you helped her with her seatbelt or I mean, whatever it is. Or it could be kitchen chores or setting the table or any kind of, but, you know, challenge them and give them responsibilities and, and then, you know, heap the praise on them. Um, But I think as they got older, I think we might have sheltered them a little too much and didn't. Children learn by mistakes like we do. And when you learn by a mistake, you learn it forever, you know. And sometimes I think we so much don't want them to make mistakes and don't want them to hurt. I mean, I, you know, we don't want them to come to harm, and there's a difference, but sometimes they're going to hurt. And we, we hurt when we make a mistake and allowing them to choose things sometimes um, that that actually kind of hurts them or you know makes them miss something like you know you didn't get busy and do what I asked you to do so we don't get to go or whatever you know helping helping them to learn that there's a consequence to every action um, and and letting them fall and letting them, you know, suffer the consequences. I think sometimes we so much want to just, but yet, I, you know, I learned a lot by consequences, you know, Amen. what happens. But uh, with my special needs child, I learned that, you know, Katie, if you do this, then we do this. Okay? When you pick up that toy, then we get out another game. You know, and, and it's almost like a, oh, okay. So, or, or giving them two choices, to, to teach them about choices, um, saying, you know, not just red shirt, blue shirt type thing, but um, I was trying to think of a good choice type thing. You know, always try to give them choices and toward their choosing, not just you choosing all the time, but, you know. Um, that's good. Okay, another question. That's no, good. Um, <coughs> I would say, you know, getting back to the, getting back to the worship time and, and letting, or anything they're doing, worship or, you know, work opportunities that you have for them, is letting them, um, you know, discover what their gifts are. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Karen said, I mean, there was times where, you know, they'd sing the same song over and over again, but, you know, Karen was good about it. We always had some type of whisper they could play you know, for the younger kids. So letting them play the instrument, letting them bang on the tambourine or the drum while they're singing, I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those type of worship opportunities. Being, you know, c- consistent prayer, you know, at mealtimes and and having, uh, you know, mealtimes. And, 
you know, when they get older, one thing I kind of struggle with right now is, you know, our older kids a lot of times because we, we set the food over, you know, kind of on the counter area and everybody fixes their plate and we go sit down. And sometimes with, you know, having younger kids, especially like our grandkids now, they're around quite a bit, three evenings a week. Um, you know, they're through eating and they're wanting to take off yeah. on the 17 and 19, 21 year old. So still to try to capture, you know, time with them, I've even thought about telling Karen, you know, why don't we set everything on the table, then that gets, it's a little more work, but then that gets everybody engaged for a little bit longer time. Everybody's sitting yeah. in one spot. Slows the process down. Time. Yeah, slows it down. Yeah. Uh, and, and especially with the older ones, because a lot of times the, the two that are still at home right now, you have to pull stuff out of those two right now. But if you get them engaged, a lot of times they'll really open up and really start talking, especially if you find something that, that they're interested in or something that they're doing. I think traditions are important. Uh, for 12 or 13, maybe 14 years, we, we took a trip to Colorado and camp up there every year. And uh, it was the same week every year, and they still talk about that. And they still talk about, you know, those those times that we had there, uh, and they made great friends that they still have today, you know, from, from that trip. And that was a real bonding time for us as a family. Uh, I think, especially I think it's important, I think, for dads to lead out in activities. Uh, one thing we used to do, we, we had some, some dowel rods, and you took a dowel rod and you cut the dowel rod off, and you took a piece of a half-inch conduit, and you put the dowel rod on the conduit, and you took a biscuit and wrapped a biscuit around it, and you sat there and you turned the biscuit, and the biscuit eventually made into, you eventually got a biscuit, but it was a long biscuit, and you could pour honey or you could pour jelly or whatever down in there. And just uh, last week, one of my kids posted a family sitting around the fire with that. Wow. <coughs> that and, they uh, just remember. Yeah, they remember. Yeah, they remember a lot. And every one of them that's on Facebook commented about, you know, something that we've done like that. Awesome. So, you know, those things are important. We used to take a trip every year in the fall when we homeschooled because we had flexibility. To do this, we had a cousin that had a had a cabin at Possum Kingdom. He was a very gracious guy. And we went up there every fall. You know, and, and we got videos of, you know, Kids falling in the water off the dock, uh, <laughs> and they plug and they, and they plug those in it from time to time, and we watch them. Uh -huh. And uh, so those are those are good bonding times. Um, you know, I think Eric, you, know, you talked about things that you that you stress about. Um, let's see, as a father, I you know I stress about providing. You know, six kids. Uh, how am I going to provide for all their needs? And uh, college, you know, and so far we've got two that are in college, there's three that are married now, Katie's still in private school, but God's provided all those needs. Amen. And it's, it's, well, and it's good for kids to see the struggle, and it's good when you don't have a lot sometimes because then you pray a lot more Amen. and yeah. they get to see that God met that need. I mean, one time his business almost went under, had two kids in private
private school because we had stopped homeschooling. And they got to hear us say, this is the situation. It doesn't look good. We may lose our house and all these. And Chris is his older kids, but we still had a couple of younger. But they got to see, you know, or, or dad loses a job or something. You know, and you get down, you get down on your knees, you know, and you pray. And they need to see the struggle, and then they need to see the answer. Amen. You know, and they need to see how God works and that Amen. you are putting your faith in, in Him. Well, one thing I thought about little kids, because I know so many of y'all have the littler kids, but is, you know, you talk about expectations. Kids thrive on a lot of them, on structure, just being able to know that certain things are going to happen and when they're going to happen. Some kids are thrown off by that. Some are not. Some kids are just, hey, I don't care. But um, like at bedtime, even if, they, if, if you could go through the structure, then they, if they would be more apt to get ready and go to bed and stuff. You know, first we're going to read, then we're going to pray. You know, and, and even say, if you want a drink, we're bringing it up with us upstairs. But, um, you know, just kind of prepare as much as you can for all the things that you know they're going to want. But then, like, we even had, bed, quote, bedtime rules. And I let's see if I can remember. Stay in your bed. Close your eyes. No playing. One was real funny, and, and it kind of just broke the ice at the end. But, I mean, they would always say, what are the rules, Mommy? What are the rules? I said, well, you tell me. <laughs> you know? and, and they knew, because we had one daughter who would not stay in her bed, not stay in her bed. Cause she, but she was the first one, and she did not want to be in a room by herself, you know. And finally, when we got our second daughter, she was fine, you know. It's like, I got somebody in the room. They're, they're teeny, but they're in here, you know. And uh, But just for her, the rules and just expectations, like you said, like, when you're fixing to go somewhere, whether it be church or school, you know, maybe pray when you get there and just say, Lord, you know, help so-and-so to, to make a friend today or, or to, you know, practice kindness or whatever. But um, kids, preparation for things makes things go a lot smoother. Yeah. Instead well, of just, you know. Well, I was laughing, you know, doing this defensive, I mean, uh, driver's education the goal is to be a collision-free driver. So, in a way, our, our goal is not to have perfect kids. Our goal is to have Christ-centered children that follow Christ. So I don't want a perfect child. I don't want a rule follower. I don't want one that makes me look good. I don't want one that's going to give me less stress. I want one that passionately follows Christ. Yeah. Talk a little about like a lot of my group is about to end this world, but the, the child is too old to stay. We've got other tools in our tool belt. You talked about you both talked about how we need to let them make mistakes. So, at what point do the consequences of a mistake like when are they too harsh? When do we say, "Man, you're facing this thing, but I'm going to help you and bail you out"? You talked a little about that whole. How much of the consequences do we let them feel? Well, I've, I've read a book just recently and I read it before and I wished I'd had it at your point okay because it talks a lot about that we tend to cocoon and live you know have our kids live in this biosphere and it becomes a lifestyle but sometimes it doesn't carry over it's like they they aren't enough allowed to make their own choices and then to suffer the consequences 
And I'm not talking about like, you know, letting them choose to play in the street because that would harm them, you know, okay? But things like um, choosing sometimes, well, I'm trying to think, because um, like, you've got these little kids and then you've got these older kids, so um, even, Stephanie's really I'm good at this. I'm stumped. No, I'm just, I, I, well, I, I, I turn like, like, for example, what kind of music do they want to listen to? Yeah. What kind of things they want to eat for dinner? We've got sexual <coughs> healthiness and all these areas we've got. You know, are you going to apologize to that person and make it a real heartfelt apology? You're just kind of, oh, well, that, you know, there all these spectrums where we want to do things. I'm just trying to, to figure out, my wife and I sometimes differ on, okay, well, if you don't do it our way, then you're like, whole world is going to end. You know, I'm sure how, how do we do that? Yeah. Boy, I mean, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's, I, I think that's where mom and dad game planning get for each child and just really trying things out. And then when you're not sure, you come to somebody like us and say, hey, this is what we've been doing. It's not really working. We can't get them to eat anything but French fries out of this, or out of French fries out of this bag and corny dogs. It's all they want, and we want them to eat, but this is all they want. And so, you know, like Luke will eat asparagus, avocados, you name a vegetable, he'll eat it. But we've really set it up to where this is going to be fun. You know, it's an adventure. Wow, you're so cool. You're able to eat a mango. How's that feel in your mouth, you know? And so, you know, so, so we, we try to make a game and an adventure out of it. But you can't just say, you're going to have to eat this. But you slowly, you know, enter in. Hey, you know what? Part of being a six-year-old is six-year-olds eat healthier vegetables and they eat more colors on their plate. I'm so glad you're six now. How's it feel to be six? Well, you know what? You know, part of being filling that age is being able to eat this. Are you ready? We made a special plate, so we're going to have an adventure with it tonight. And we make it fun, and then they go, this is a rite of passage. It's not you trying to make me eat healthy. You know, so it's all in how you kind of collision-free driving. Don't look at that car. Don't look at that parked car. Okay, I want you to go down the clear area, so we're going to focus on where I want you to go. Not, I don't want you to do that. It's all about the angle. It's all about the angle. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. Well, and I think, too, I look back, you know, growing up, and I, and I go back to my childhood, <coughs> think about my spectrum of teachers that I had. Um, you know, the classes that I enjoyed the most were the ones where, you know, they they allowed some fun to take place in English class. You know, it wasn't just, okay, we're going to come in here and learn about you know, prepositional phrases, run-on sentences, so on and so forth. You know, they made it fun. They made it a, uh, uh, I won't say a, a contest, but they made it a joy to come in there and, and do those things. I think you're going to have to try to discover, you know, what pushes your kid, you know, what, what motivates them. Um, you know, that's, uh, I'm trying to think of an example of, uh, well, like, you know, one of our daughters likes to cook, you know, and, and, you know, for her, those, you know, cooking uh, is is a joy, and, and it's you know she has fun with it. And so, uh, I think thoughts here. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta find out what they delight in and what motivates them, and, and try to use what motivates them in all all realms. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, 
Well, in okay, some some choices that they make, you know, you have to choose your battles, okay? And um, I have a daughter whose creativity shows up in her hair, okay? Huh? And she's our oldest, and it still does. She loves doing. I mean, she should have been a beautician, okay? But anyway, uh, but. I was the kind that, okay, we're not doing earrings until you're old enough to take care of them because I'm not going to sit and twist and do when you're, when you're five, okay? I'm just not going to do that. So if you want them, then we'll wait till you're responsible. So we, we tried to do things like that. But um, also, I was kind of like, well, I don't want what you're going to wear or something to kind of reflect on me. You know, I mean, we have to decide whether it's just their creativity and it's fine. It, it's not a, you know, I, I want, a, you know, a little stripe here or highlighting. Okay, well, you can do that when you're old enough to, you know, 13 or whatever, you know. And some didn't want to do anything. Some were, you know, more creative. But, I mean, choices like that, sometimes we tend to be, oh, you know, if, if a daughter wants I mean, I, I had one that, you know, has a little tattoo back here, and it's just this little design thingy, you know? And, of course, she, she got hers after she was out of the house, you know? But it's very tasteful, very whatever. I have a daughter who has her husband's name tattooed as her ring. They don't even wear rings, okay? So, I mean, we might not do that, but that's fine. You know, those are choices, um... And, and, you know, some choices are, I would say, more like red and black or something. You know, they're just, you yeah. know, but but I wouldn't say a life-threatening choice. I mean, you might have to come down and say, you know, that's really not a good idea. But sometimes, I mean, we, I think we came down so hard sometimes on our kids and just defined their world so concretely, like, you know, that it's like we didn't put trust in them. We did not allow them to make a choice about something and then to fall or to go, wow, you know, mom, that didn't work. I, you know, now do it, you know, you were trying to warn me about. And so, uh, I mean, I've got a really good book. I'll give you the name of it. Um, it's called Why Christian Kids Rebel by Dr. Ted Kimmel. And I wish I'd have read it uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> I wish I'd have read it at your stage. Just, oh, it, it's really good. I mean, we did a lot of things right, but you know, but we read so many books that were just hard nosed, just you know, and I think balance, balance, the righteous man, you know, is not extreme in anything. He's he's well balanced, and um, well, and, and I think one thing that's important too is maybe chasing a little bit of a rabbit here, but. You know, don't don't be afraid to tell your kids that, that you failed and that you were wrong. Amen. You know, that really opens up. Yeah, and I remember one time we had uh, we had tickets that we used to always go to opening day of Ranger games. We'd tailgate and stuff. And so one time the the carpet going up the stairs was just I mean it had a burn mark on it. So you know you round up all the kids. You got six kids and you tell them, <laughs> hey, you know. Who burnt? What happened? You know, all I want to do is, yeah. Every one of them said, "I don't know." You know, I don't know. <laughs> and, I, and I said, "Well, we're not going to the Ranger game." You know, and and later on, we found out, you know, through 
discovery and stuff, Karen goes, you know, I think I may have done it because I remember now I left the vacuum cleaner on the carpet for too long and it was turning and that's what put the little burn mark in it. And I had flushed the Ranger game. You know, I thought, hey, you know, we're not going. I had to bring them all back in So hey, you know, I'm sorry. That's too hard on you. You know, y'all were all telling me the truth and and you know, I was wrong. I was sorry. You know, we went to the Ranger game and everything turned out okay, but I just remember the look on their face. And then <laughs> And then the egg that was on my face. Yeah. You know, it's okay. You know, you you fail and you talk about building relationships. That's how you build a relationship Amen. with your kids. You want them to say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, for what, for whatever. And I think it's okay to go back and just, even if you, if you have kids that are, that are growing, things that happened four or five years ago, and you think, oh, you know, that's that's gone out of the way. Yeah, and the kid may have forgotten it, but there also may be a sore there that needs mm -hmm. to heal. Yeah. You may just need to go back to them, even if it was you know two years ago, and just say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong in that instance. You know, and, and be transparent with them. Let them know that you know you failed, and yeah. it's okay. Three, three real quick stories. Of one of Stephanie, I think, told this last year. But one of the classic stories that helped define our children and understand that mom meant business was of, of, you know, Andrew was pitching a fit when they were grocery shopping one time, and he was just wanting something, and he was just, you know, probably three, two or three, just I want this, I want this, and and, and Stephanie, he was acting up, had the groceries full, stuff that he wanted, and. And he finally just pushed the button too much. And she said, you know, it, it basically, if you do one more, she said, we're leaving. And she was like, no, we're not going to. She's like, no. It, 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 she said something, and he's like, okay, we're leaving. She pushed the groceries to the side, went to the manager and said, I apologize, but we have to leave because my son cannot control himself. And, and he just was like, and they drove home, and he said, hey, you know, what? I, I want this. Uh, that was in the basket, so you're not going to have that. And, and then Bonnie was messing up whenever she was two or three and Andrew was six. And he was doing something. She said, she said Bonnie, we're doing this. And, and, and she did it a second time, and he was, she was kind of pushing it. And Andrew said, she means it. <laughs> <laughs> and so three years later, Andrew remembered that he told her that. And really, that story is just one of those classics where they like, if mom says something, she means it. And that's, that's that part of being truthful, being consistent. And then you were talking about uh, memories and talking about God's blessings. And one great way to do that for kids, and uh, this was an activity we've seen we did, but you go and you'll buy five of those really smooth stones or you find them, but you can go to a Hobby Lobby and get those little gray stones, get a Sharpie, and you know each year write down, you know, what's some things that, you know, it, it, for a little one, they could draw a picture of their dog they got that year, you know, or something. But what are the blessings that God did? You know, and dad says, well, you know, I got this business deal, or I made a new friend, or, you know, we did this. And you write those down, and then you put them in a jar, and you put them up on the mantle. And then once a month during dinner, you dump that out on the table, and we talk about those. And um, it's a simple thing kids can do, 
but it really it forces them because to me one of the best stories is you know that's what you know Joshua and them did when they crossed the river and they put the stones to remember God's faithfulness in those forty years. So then you get to teach that story, and then you say this is why they did it. But you know what? God's working in our family, so we're going to remember it. And then you do it every year. And I know some people they at different times and hard times they pull out three years ago they dump it to. Oh, yeah, God did that. Oh, yeah, God did that. So you do those once a year kind of thing. Birthday parties are good, too. We had so many kids that we would let them invite usually one friend, and and they would kind of rotate, but we would let them invite one friend and a a little bit of our family. It was still a room full of people. Mm -hmm. But we would, you know, before we started all the, you know, fun, you know, whatever stuff, we would kind of sit down and just, focus on that child for a minute and just let everybody say what they appreciated about that child. Yeah. And then like at Valentine's, uh, to promote sibling um, love for one another, because we were doing it for the kids too, but we would, um, you know, either give them a, a, a red heart and say, okay, you you write something that you love about Anna and then Josiah and, you know, about the different ones and then we're going to share them tonight or whatever. And that they had to really think about, you know, some good things about their brother or their sister that they appreciated and stuff. So any anytime you can foster that oh, yeah. between them, you know, any excuse. And I think one of the one of the great rite of passage things to do for a boy, you know, when they turn 13, 14, 15, and even for a daughter, but you know, we thought of it as for a boy, is to get five men that are involved in that boy's life and have them write a letter, then host a dinner, host a dessert party, and have each one, each one of those men come and read that letter and kind of read it over that child. And then you hole punch all of them, you put it in a binder, and then that, son, that, that, that child, you, you, you task them with reading one of those letters every night for the next month. And you say, hey, how's that letter been? You know, what did you think about this? And just re- reinforcing, hey, you're you're a young man. You've grown. You've matured. You know, and, and, and there's other ways to do kind of bar mitzvah kind of things, you know, to, to, to where you can, uh, you know, just pray a blessing. You can have people come and, and uh, you know, read a blessing. But I think it's good to have it printed so then they can keep it and it's kind of a keepsake they can continue to read and plug that in with. Uh, Hey, what about? Uh, no, a lot of y'all may not be there, but you know, the 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 crossing over to adolescence. You know, uh, focus on the family has a preparation of of preparation for adolescence. And then the passport for purity is kind of their newer version. It's a great material. Stephanie and Bonnie just went and did it and went down to Houston. You know, they they went and saw some friends in a dance competition and were kind of somewhat there, but they had their hotel time and was was of. Uh, you know, kind of reading through it and just having that good conversation, and you know, so it gives you stuff on the drive time once you're there. Uh, my boys, you know, we ended up just because we do tennis tournaments and we did Boy Scouts, we would do it on different trips. I probably looking back, I could have done it better. One guy, the best way, the way he did it, he he shamed me. He he, he planned. They made a trip down to uh, to to Houston to watch an Astro game kind of made a guy thing out of it. And each session, before he kicked off each session, he got his little, uh, he, he got his phone, or maybe a video camera, 
And he videoed like six men speaking some truth into that boy. This is what I see in your son. Say, hey, Caleb, I see this about you. I see this about you. The way that you love on your friends is great. You're this. As you and your dad talk about, you know, sexual purity, I want to challenge you to, 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 you know, to, to be salt and light to your friends just as you've been doing this. Just kind of that challenge. So then he'd flip out and he'd show one of those videos before every session. So that boy was like, you know, so that was, didn't take a lot of time nowadays with a phone to say, hey, can you speak something to my son, cover this? Two minutes, they got it done. So it's not a ton of planning, but it's a great impact. And so, I'm a, you know. Uh, what, uh, what, what questions about you guys have? No, um, I'm just curious what your perspective is and at what ages of non-Christian friends. Like, we go to church, most of my child's friends, but she has some, she came through gymnastics and that aren't Christian. What's your guys' perspective on how, like, what age and the matter, like, negative influences, how did they, when did they navigate those? I mean, Sometimes cousins, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you don't have a toy, you know. And I think you deal with it, you know, as, as it's come and as it's presented. And sometimes we cocoon too much to where they're not, they don't even have them. You know, they're, yeah. they're not even with unbelievers. But, you know, so that you're seeing them maybe in the grocery store in a limited, but um, I think as it presents itself, but then... You know, I mean, of course, when they're younger, you're there, and you're, you know, you're not letting them go over to a neighbor's house that you don't know about, you know, or, or brothers are there, or and you don't, you don't allow things like that. But a lot of times, you can, if there's, you know, children in the neighborhood, you could have them, you know, let them play at your house, and then, but be nearby, and you know, and then. Um, Go ahead. Well, I think too. I mean, I, you know, where 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 are we at with non-Christians? You know, is yeah. is the other question. Yeah. You know, and they're gonna, you know, you gotta. I think before you know, before you send them out, you prepare them. You talk to them about okay, hey, especially for boys, okay, because pornography is always a big player. Okay, and you talk to them. You say, okay, you know. Okay, but he was talking about non-Christians, okay, okay. you know, especially as they get as they get older. It's still a big play for Christians too. We're talking yeah. about this after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. But you know, how much involvement do you have, and then you yeah. know, let them let them mirror that. Age-wise, I would say, you know, for us anyway. I mean, I think you try to prepare them, you know, and tell them about you know what they may face and what they may see. Age-wise. You know, before I would feel comfortable just turning my son, I'd want him to be, you know, 14, 15, probably the same maybe for daughters. You know, maybe not quite that old. I mean, you can judge the maturity of each one, but talk to them about what they may see because they're going to encounter that at some point, you know. and, and Sports teams. Yeah, sports teams and, and different things like that. But um, just I would say just, you know, for me, it would just be preparing them and knowing the maturity you know, knowing the maturity of your kid, and I would try to encourage them. I would try to encourage them to bring them in to my setting. You know, not that it's not okay for the other. You know, for them to be in their setting too. I try to encourage them to bring them into to, to the, your own setting.
to your mom and dad about that, but I was like, let's not play with them anymore. Let's, yeah. let's kind of go home or something. Yeah. But well, it, you know, and it, it, it's different if it's strangers because you can control that a lot. You know, like you say, let's go play over here or whatever. Um, but when it's cousins or whatever, I guess you just have to be careful. And Or if it's somebody on a sports team, you know, just make sure that you're involved. And um, like you say, go ahead. Well, you know, even with the cousin thing, like we have um, my brother's um, daughter. Sometimes it has to be pretty limited. I mean, you know. I went through that as a kid. I was molested by somebody when I was a real little kid. It was just, but I was, it was real, you know, you, it doesn't affect you until you kind of sometimes get older. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, I have a daughter that's, you know, that's five and, 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 and a son that's three. And we, we you know, we talk a little bit about because you know that's part of life you know mm -hmm. so we mm -hmm. we just make you know gestures you know just or we just say to them you know they have private parts mm -hmm. and those mm -hmm. parts you know mm -hmm. no one touches you know there's just mm -hmm. certain things we just want to make clear mm -hmm. get it out in the open mm -hmm. those are you know because they have a head they have a uh, foot mm -hmm. whatever you know they have all these parts in their body and that is a part and so we say well these parts, you know, these parts are for you alone and not yeah. for anyone else to look at or to, and if they try to do something, you come to us and we'll, we'll take care of it. And but that's, that's where you're intentional and you prepare them, you, you know, even in bath time or, you know, you have to wash them in the beginning everywhere right. to make, get all the cracks and crevices and stuff clean. But at the point where they can wash themselves, then you go, okay, you know, I'm going to wash your back. You do, you do your legs. Okay, just do your legs. Whatever. Okay, now, you do your private parts, and I'm going to go get your towel and yeah. whatever. And then they learn the terminology, and then you begin to talk about, oh, you know, nobody touches, you know, whatever. But that's intentional, and it's preparing them so that, you know, when something like this happens, then you, and, and you just talk with them about it as you can appropriately for their age. I mean, you know, you can't give too much information, but appropriately for their age, you know, without, you know, putting too many harmful things, I guess. But, but. One thing to think is important too is, you know, when we, when we discuss about, you know, our kids being, interacting with non-Christian kids, you know, it, you know, we need to keep in mind that our Christian kids, as they have accepted Christ, are salt and light to the world around them too. And and I think it's important that we de delineate the fact that they shouldn't be viewed, and we as parents shouldn't be. And I'm not saying we are. I'm just 
clarify that. I think we should really clarify that. You know, they're light and salt to the world too. And although we definitely want to be smart and intentional about how we protect them, we want to really, at the same time, train them how to minister to others who are to who they do come in contact with who are not Christians, so they can develop that that ability to witness, that ability to be salt in life to their friends at their age level and their sphere of influence and be able to minister to others in their age group to train them and help them to learn about Christ at their young age. And, you know, that's, you know, as they, the earlier they develop that ability and that freedom and that confidence level, the, the earlier they'll be able to start growing in that realm of, of, of um, the evangelistic gift, mm-hmm. and the better off they'll be when they're older. Um, you know, I think that if we, you know, really are, I think this is one area where we can, as parents can really, you know, when we're trying to protect our kids, can lose easily lose sight of the fact that they're, if they're Christians, that protecting them from, from harm, we could also, if we're not careful, prevent them from being able to know opportunities where it's safe, where they can really witness. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and there's, I agree. There's opportunities yeah. for both. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. And we're, we're going to need to wrap up in five minutes, so you, 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 you oh, go ahead. Two seconds. I mean, yeah, I, I went to secular private school as a kid, and um, my parents were very intentional on t- t- teaching me about those things, and I was seven years old the first time I remember witnessing to and mm-hmm. laying out the gospel pretty basically and mm-hmm. explaining what I believed and why now got the freedom that we have been given because he was coming from a point of well there's all these really bad things that I've seen going on in my life he, at, at eight years old he's like I don't know if God could forgive me I was like well the God that I believe in will for, could forgive Amen. if he want if, if he actually would turn around and this guy was like no way I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seven, eight years that's old. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's opportunities for growth and for those seeds to be start planting. Mm-hmm. At seven. So I mean, yeah. Well, hey, uh, I may have to say a couple of things, but but as we wrap up, I mean, you know, just kind of going back to what we talked about is is, is we want to raise Christ followers. We want to raise kids that are passionate about Christ, kids that uh, know that they're loved, understand what unconditional love is understand what consequences are, but are loved through all that. And, uh, and so just, uh, you know, I think one of the best things to do is mom and dad make a game plan. And so I, I challenge people after, you know, coming to something like this, you know, go have a coffee date and sit down and start thinking about, okay, what are we going to do? And one of the first things I would do is, is write down, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, t- talk about your kids. Hey, you know, what are their you know, their spiritual gifts, get a good understanding of what you see about them. You know, how do you see them, uh, you know, it, it, you know, accepting who they are? What do you see Christ doing in their life? You know, wh- you know, what's their inclination? Are they a beaver, otter, lion, you know, golden retriever? You know, how are you going to le- lead them, guide them? Kind of think through some of those things. And then, uh, you know, develop a plan. And I think one simple thing is, Start with a, you know, you know, make sure that you're doing a family night every week, you know, with an, it's some intentionality. Uh, dads, one of the websites a friend of Pat Harold turned me on to is All Pro Dad, 
How many of y'all have ever seen that one? Okay. Every dad, www.allprodad.com, and it's of, it's, uh, why am I blanking out? The, uh, the Colts football coach. Why am I blanking out? Uh, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. It's Tony Dungy's ministry. And every week, every day, he gives out some grand and he has some awesome activities. It's ways to love your wife, ways to love your kids, ways to love a daughter. And there's just some awesome uh, you know, things in that. Uh, heritagebuilders.com has a lot of great family night ideas, so you can go to that one. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, there's a, a, a ywampublishing.org has a way to talk about missionary biographies. And just talk about some of the great missionaries and what have done. So, uh, you know, there's, there's anyway, there's a number of things. I, I, I'll send an email to Jonathan on a few things if you're interested. You can ping him, and I, yeah, you know, I got four pages of fun things that you can do with, you know, families and different activities. And I didn't want to just dump on you, but you know, come up with a strategy. Think about ways that you can uh, plug in with your kids. There's a daily devotion that Watermark, the church that I used to be at, does. It's called uh, Join the Journey. You can go to jointhejourney.org, or it's uh, or you can go to uh, and, and they have every week their children's staff. While we were there, we we created a weekly devotion, and it goes along with whatever passage they're studying for that week. So somewhere in Corinthians, and so there's some great. You know, so, so every week you'll get a devotion that's a good one, and it'll be stuff like the stones, you know, writing on that. It'll be uh, writing a note to a friend, or let's talk about jars of clay, you know, and why they get broken and how we can, you know, you know how they get dry, you know, we'll break some stuff, you know. So there's a lot of good hands-on tangible things to do with kids, so we've used a lot of those. And um, let's see here. You know, I, I, to me, I think the main thing is being intentional. I think that's been some of the, if I were going to say some of my regrets on my parenting is I wasn't in, as intentional on certain things. So I would just challenge you, you know, game plan. And I think the best way to game plan is with your spouse. If you're a single parent, get a friend together to encourage you. And, uh, you know, strategize for each child. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Think about, okay, how can I strategically coach, teach where they need where they need to grow? You know, go find you a good book. There's a there's a, a there's a great book on uh, purpose of. I meant to write it down. There's another thing I was going to do yesterday. Loving your kids on purpose. Yeah, loving your kids on purpose. Yeah, I have a couple of friends that are reading that. A couple. Yeah, it's a great. So loving your kids on purpose. It's a it's one of the new books that's out there. And, uh, and I think Klein, is that his name? Uh, he, he's, he's a church Beth, Bethel yeah, out of California, uh, Redland. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, uh, so, anyway, find you a good book and apply it. You the know, Love Languages book. Love Languages. That's one of our favorite languages books. Until, yes. like, halfway through my kids. And as I read that book, it's like, that's Mary. I didn't realize how much gifts were important to her. Gifts, giving her things, little, little yes. things, you know. And one doesn't care about gifts. One does. One wants the affirmation constantly, you know. And and that's really important. Yeah. To insight. But you can you can as your kids get a little older, you can pick out which ones have. Yeah, that you know, five love language book is gold. Mm-hmm. Daddy's yeah. still. 
Manny Silk. Yeah, that's the guy that wrote that. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, find you a book and apply it. I think I think that, that I think we need to be students of learning how to parent our kids. We need to be intentional. We need to, you know, you know, grab some ideas, talk to your spouse, say, hey, I've been reading this. What do you think about this? How, how can we do this? This was a great idea. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it, one thing I was I heard a guy say about dads, especially us, we need to capitalize on our creativity. I think us dads, you know, we, get, we work, we're tired, we do all this, but driving home, there's a great idea. You know, it's like, you know what? I just heard somebody talk about this. We've been meeting to do a pizza night. Hey, they said to do this. Okay, I'm going to do that. Call the wives. Say, hey, we're going to do this in, you know, tomorrow night. Let's plan on this and then do that. Because you know, you, you, capitalizing on some of those ideas, a lot of times we just let things slip away. And three months later, we still haven't gotten our kids up dri- driver's education. <laughs> you know, and you're like going, oh, you know, I failed. So capitalize on that. Push forward. And, uh, you know, thank you all for coming. I'm sorry my wife wasn't here. But uh, hey, one of the things we've been talking about doing is, uh, is either one or two directions. of Either getting a curriculum together that we can plug in. Because there's a lot of things out there. You can do this on your own. But get some small groups and you kind of push it out and say, hey, you small group, here's a curriculum we would suggest you go with. And we'll help train you to prepare you for that. And then we're probably going to do something in the fall. And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, just not, not, not too long. So, uh, you know, we'll be getting together with you on that. But we'd love just to, anyway, Stephanie and I, you know, the Vons, any of us can encourage you. Please let us know. Uh, I meant to put on my, uh, I got my email and my phone number so you can call my wife. Or you call us. Be happy to help. Is it going to pop up? It's going to get died. Oh well. Yeah, it timed off. Um, is that gonna do it? Well, anyway, uh, my email is egentry38 at gmail. So uh, if you have any questions, or you can reach Jonathan and he'll he'll let you know. And I'll ask my wife and she'll tell you. No, just kidding. All right. E G E N T R Y. Yes. And my wife is Steffer, S-T-E-F-F-E-R 66 at sbcglobal.net. Whatever you give me, I'll throw on the web on the Grace University page. Yes. That sounds perfect. Thank you. Yes. All right. Because I do have, this four pages of resources really are some great stuff. All right. Let me pray for us real fast. Dear God, I thank you so much for uh, allowing us to come in and just be encouraged to be have some thoughts provoked in our head just to challenge us to be better parents, to be better engaged, to be more intentional, and to uh, love our kids the way that you have called us to. God, I thank you for this time. I pray that it was uh, that we invest it well, that we uh, that, that we choose ways to capture our children and allow them to be captured by you provide the conduit for you to come in and love them, challenge them, grow them, and be the Christ followers you want them to be. Thank you for this day. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Hey, Jonathan, you want to make a quick pitch for anybody that can stay?